everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is The Lantern Cast. Episode 162. No. Or something. Three. Three. <laughs> 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 the <Very> construction <laughs> episode. Yeah. Yeah, there's like literally construction <laughs> being done all around us. In in, in three different states, we can't escape escape construction on a Saturday morning. It's literally right outside my living room window, which I'm about two feet from right now. Same here. Upstairs in my house. (laughs) Why are we doing this now? Because it makes the most sense. Yes. Speaking of somebody's um, brilliant idea. Speaking of making sense, what are we doing today? interviews that I've been sitting on because I'm like that every I don't know why every time I get interviews it takes me forever to get them <laughs> up <laughs> well I mean it's not just you well we're talking about interviews not episodes yeah but oh, I mean like you know eventually snap. you get well no I'm talking about as far as like you you know you have the interviews and then, like, as far as constructing an episode, it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll get to that just as soon as we get to these issues and these issues and this episode and this topic, you know. And then three months away from the uh, the actual convention, we record the episode around your interviews. Yeah, that sucks. We should do a better job about that. Come on, guys. Yeah, maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> Always next time. So where'd you go, Chad? Uh, let's see. I went to two different conventions. Uh, the first being uh, Staple, the uh, Independent Media Expo uh, in Austin. Um, it's just just what I said. Uh, the Independent Media Expo, it was on March 2nd and 3rd. It was over a weekend. Uh, and it's just basically a bunch of local artists. Um, and uh, there was a, a couple of, of big names there. Um I don't remember the, the guy's name off the top of my head, and I'm not going to bother uh, searching it up now. But the guy who created The Crow, um, he was there. Um, Bernie Wrightson was there, but, you know, Bernie Wrightson lives in Austin. Uh, and, um, you know, but but mostly it was just, you know, a bunch of independent uh, artists and stuff. So um, I went there because at the last Austin Comic Con, uh, Errol, a friend of mine who you know you guys heard of, of uh, in the interviews passed on the show before, uh, he told me to you know if I haven't been to Staple, I really ought to check it out. So uh, I did. So I got a little press pass and went up there to you know just kind of get the feel of the con and talk with Errol. But uh, when I went to talk up, uh, when I went to go uh, meet Errol, he wasn't at his table, uh, and I found him uh, talking over t- with some a friend of his, Bill Williams. Uh, and I didn't want to really interrupt, but so we started talking, and uh, Bill's actually a pretty cool guy, and I was only there for Errol, so I was like, you know what the hell, let's get Bill here on the uh, on the show as well. So I started things off with uh, with Bill Williams, and uh, I guess what here's that up here's that uh, interview. Yep, here we go. Cool. I just start recording. All right, so uh, we're at Staple, and I'm sitting with Bill Williams. And Bill, what do people know you for? Uh, closing time at local bars. Uh, <laughs> but of course, that was years when I was a bartender telling people to get the hell out. Um, I'm a kind of a knock-around guy around Austin. 
I wrote a Justice League Unlimited, and I've uh, wrote a story when they relaunched the Richie Rich. I've got a got a big story in there. I'm pals with with Bill Willingham, and I did uh, I published his Pantheon miniseries, which was kind of his last big thing he did before he got rediscovered by DC. So uh, I was there when he was writing the early Fable stuff and, you know, chatting with him about that stuff. I did a little bit of freelance work. I did, uh, wrote some backups when Willingham was writing Angel. I wrote some backups about this big blue, big blue ice devil guy named Eddie. Turned that into a, a miniseries with Spike and Eddie fighting demons all over Los Angeles. So I've done, you know, freelance work and mainstream work, you know, work, self-publishing work. So, you know local Austin guy. And you've done some IDW stuff with Spike and Angel. Right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, the question we got asked the most is, did you get to meet Wheaton? And, okay, IDW had kind of bought the rights to do Angel Comics out from under Dark Horse, where the rest of Wheaton's stuff was. Yeah. So when we took over the book, they specifically said, do not speak with Joss Wheaton. It's like, ah, I'm not sure we could find him to talk to him. But, uh, we were kind of left on our own, said, you know, go out and, you know, have some fun with these characters, so we did. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's got to be weird to get that question, particularly considering it's like people coming to you and going, oh, you know so-and-so, what's it like working? They're more, they're more asking their, the questions they want to ask that person through you, yes. which, that's got to feel weird. <laughs> yes, I have no real answer for that stuff. Uh, I do know that, that all of our scripts were approved by Fox, who owns the, the Buff and the Angel and the Spike characters. Yeah. And when I was writing the Eddie stuff, I got to write Electric Gwen. I love that character. Mm -hmm. So I got to pull some of the characters out of uh, the Angel Arcana and use some of them. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and how long did that all last? Uh, I wrote... I wrote a bunch of, of uh, Eddie stuff that didn't get produced because we got fired off the book somewhere along the way. But uh, I wrote a four-issue Spike miniseries called the, the Devil You Know. And in Spike, The Devil You Know, one of the descendants of the Master tries to hire Spike to help him open up a series of portals under Los Angeles. And Spike at some point says, you know, hell no, I'm not going to do that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to beat the fudge out of you guys. So it's yeah. Spike and, and Eddie roaming around Los Angeles fighting guys. So that was pretty fun. But with the Angel stuff, I uh, I got to, you know, go back and watch the whole series and make a bunch of notes and carry forward a bunch of stuff, you know, that I thought would logically spin out of that Angel series. Okay. And what's, because I, I myself enjoy creative writing, yeah. what's it like handling a property that you have to work within certain constraints rather than letting your creative imagination go wild? Well, the biggest constraint is I was writing backups in Angel and I had four pages. Mm. You know, the biggest constraint is, oh, I can basically do a scene every month. How am I going to make that interesting and not have hellish amounts of recaps when this is all coming out in the trade paperback at some point. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really constrained on what I could and couldn't do. Uh, I've got um, one of Angel's sidekicks tied to a chair and Eddie beating on him for a couple of issues. So, you know, a I couple could, of issues. Yes. <laughs> well, when I say a couple of issues, it's four, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. four pages times two. But, uh, you know, I got to do kind of whatever... I wanted to do, at one point there was some conflict with the main story in Angel, so I had Eddie versus Team Angel, which was Angel and Spike, and at one point it was Illyria and somebody else, and they said, oh no, that character, that character's dead by now. It's like, 
all right. So I rewrote it again. They said, ooh, that character's retired, too. Can you write something else? Said, you know, can you just give me a playlist of who I can use? <laughs> so sometimes when you're working with a toy box that has a lot of people's hands in it, yeah. and if, especially if you're the low man of the totem pole, you get a chance to rewrite your stuff a lot. Okay. I ended up using... Uh, there was a police woman that was in the Angel series. I got to use her, and that was kind of fun. Okay. Now, uh, just hopping over here, the Justice League Unlimited, what, what, what was your role in all of that? My, uh, my buddy, Michael Wright, was editing that book, and it was a place where they would try out new guys. So a bunch of guys that are pals of Michael's got a chance to pitch for that book. So Paul Story wrote a, wrote a couple of them. I wrote one. And with that, because you're doing you know, real mainstream stuff, there's a lot of hoops to go through. If I want to do with my little web comics, whatever I feel like, I can do it. Yeah. But if I'm writing Superman stuff, there's a lot more hoops to jump through. Right. So in this case, you know, they had a rule that a Justice League Unlimited story had to feature either Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman because you wanted it to sell and you didn't want to just have, you know, elongated man and Dr. Fate because nobody read the damn thing. Yeah. But I pitched three stories that he hated and another three stories that he hated. And then on the third set of three stories, he said, okay, I sort of like that one. And I took that little spark and made a bigger story out of it and wrote that out in 20 pages. And that was a lot of fun. And that's a giant Black Manta story? It is. It is actually a Dr. Fate story. <laughs> and there's mystic disturbances all over the, all over the globe. And it's part of a ploy by, Mac, by Black Manta and one of his pals to take over Atlantis. So it's... A bunch of Justice League guys running around fighting big magical constructs underwater. And I thought that was a lot of fun. Do you happen to have a particular love for Aquaman and uh, the, the Atlantis stuff and Black Manta? Not, re not really. I just thought that there are things that you never see in comics. And the original story was called The Ghosts of Atlantis. So I was wondering, you know, how do you bury people underwater? I mean, just leave them for fish food? So I thought I'd do a zombie story in Atlantis. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm writing a kid's book. I can't write that. I'll get, you know. You should have talked to John's during Blackest Night. I should have. <laughs> so uh, this was, I think this was a couple of years before all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my little story came out in 2000-something. Um, but, you know, it's a kid's book. It's like, well, I'll just have big magical golems punching okay. stuff. So, you know, I didn't want to have stuff too, too scary for the kids. So I wrote that, and it was a lot of fun. I got to write Superman dialogue. I got, I got one of my favorite notes. Uh, I'd written a screenplay, and somebody said, can you kill somebody at the end of the pilot? And I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> my second favorite note ever was, I got a note from the editor who said, this line is inappropriate. Superman does not use sarcasm. I was like, okay. I Superman isn't sarcastic? No. <laughs> you know, well, the thing is, he just there's a scene where he just gets pounded by these giant magical bad guys. And somebody says, are you okay? He goes, yes, I'm fine. And I, and I thought, you know, that would kind of be, you know, he, he doesn't really express a lot of anger. He doesn't, you know, lose his temper and just smash stuff. It's like, yeah, that would be appropriate. And it was like, no, that's not. Letting it roll Superman on Superman doesn't time. do sarcasm. Yeah. It's like, yeah. all right, fine. Well, I asked because a friend of mine actually uh, is in charge of this blog called Aquaman Shrine. Yes. Which is this <laughs> giant shrine to Aquaman. So an Aquaman-centric story. I was just curious if you had any particular love. So You know, I like the character. Uh, I was a big Jim Aparo fan oh, God. and yeah. a big uh, Garcia Lopez fan. And they both Great had, to be his name. Yes. <laughs> and they, they both had pretty good runs on the character. 
And for the longest time, I had some Don Newton uh, Aquaman art from the 70s, and that was, that was just beautiful stuff. So, you know, the stories, I thought, you know, were really kind of limited because they all had to be, you know, palace intrigue and underwater. But I thought Aquaman had a lot of great artists on the series pretty much throughout the run of the character. Yeah, it, well, how, however many runs he very ended up having. You know, <laughs> I don't want to say I draw the line after some of the adventure comic stuff, but yeah, kind of the, you know, the the, the modern age of stuff, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of, but, you know. The Jeff Johns take? I have, you know, I'm one of those bitter old fans. I, I read a ton of DC books. I've got books, uh, solid runs on, like, Detective and Batman and Brave and the Bold from, like, the mid-60s up to current. But when the uh, they launched the new 52, I didn't read a bunch of that stuff. I was like, you know, this is this is not for me. I read um, the only one of those books that I read was Demon Knights, just because Paul Cornell's a freaking genius. Yeah, that's a that's a really trippy book for DC to be having in its yeah. uh, lineup. And it was kind of the the one book that stood out that was not like the rest of them. But uh, Paul's stuff really had me convinced when he did the the MI5 book. Right. Because that was my yardstick for crazy for comics for the longest time. Because he's got Dracula living in a castle on the moon, firing vampires at the UK to weaken their mystic shields so that he can load up his, his flying boat with other vampires and take over the UK. Now that's the kind of crazy that comics should be doing more of. Well, the Aquaman, is, it's kind of slow because that's how Johns does. He writes yeah. for the trade. Yes. But... For a while there, it was outselling every book Marvel had. Yes. So, I mean, it, it was a selling point. <laughs> that new 52 relaunch was stunningly successful. Yeah. You know, you had people pretending to care about Stormwatch and books like that. That's so, true. You know, there was a lot of books that sold a lot more than you thought. And, you know, that's, that's really what you want to do when you're doing a big relaunch like that. You want to get some eyeballs. And, you know, you want to hope that your concept and your art teams will carry your books. And that did, you know, they got a lot more mileage out of my vampire than I thought they ever would. Yeah, yeah, that just canceled not too long ago, right? Yeah, I would never would have guessed that would make it like a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good stuff. And then, well, Karen Berger leaving Vertigo that that wasn't that great of a news. I mean, I know it's still going to keep going, but without Berger, it's not it's not the same. That is really kind of the end of an era. You could compare that to I think Julie Schwartz not doing superheroes anymore. Yeah, that's true. I think you could absolutely. Yeah. Well, and this was, well, just for people who are curious, Justice League Unlimited, number 25? Number 26. 26. There's a big black mana on the cover. Okay. <laughs> I had a mystery. Nobody knew who was creating these mystic castles. And, you know, Booster Gold wants to go hang out with Zatanna, and they're like, no, no, you got to come underwater with us and hang out with Aquaman. But uh, it's not really a mystery when black mana's on the cover. <laughs> not, not, not really. <laughs> who could possibly be up to all these shenanigans? Oh, it's probably the guy on the cover. It's Black Man. Well, if you're going underwater to Atlantis and you're talking about a big villain who's, yes. who's behind it... It's probably not the fisherman. <laughs> yes. The flying fish. Exactly. It's not those guys. He's like the one good Aquaman villain. It's, it's that in uh, Ocean Master, right? Yes. Yeah. The thing is, you can only use him so often. He's kind of like Aquaman's Joker because, you know, they're so close they're almost related. <laughs> you know, okay, they are related. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's uh, the thing with Batman and Joker. They're so close. They're okay, related. Yeah. And with the other DC work I see here, the Teen Titans, what, what was that all about? The same guy, Michael Wright, he called me up and he said, now I'm going to be throwing a rock at a friend, and I probably shouldn't do this, but 
Willingham has had a love-hate relationship with deadlines, and his editor called me up and he said, I can't get a hold of Willingham. You want to co-write a couple of issues of Robin? And I said, you know, first, are you, are you blanking with me? And he said, no, I'm, I'm really far behind. I said, all right, send me your outline and I'll work on it. So I got Willingham's outline because whenever you do mainstream work, at least back in the day, you would have to have an outline on file with your editor of what was coming up. Right. So I got that outline. It was going to be a Teen Titans and Robin raiding one of Brainiac's labs to try to fix something that's wrong with Superboy. So that was pretty cool. So I wrote my, my, my uh, full script for that, sent that over to Willingham. And I had one of these moments where, you know, I, I felt pretty confident and pretty on the ball with what I was doing. I was like, man, this, this script's bulletproof. I wouldn't change a word. Willingham went through and just ripped in a new one and totally rewrote it, and it was so much better to, better than what I sent to him. It's like I'm on top of the world. I'm uh, crap. I don't know what I'm doing. Why would that this obvious to me as it is obvious to him? Yeah. But uh, we did a two issue thing right before one of the big reboots. Before I think before they did, it was like one year later. We okay. did the, the last two Robins before that, and. William had pitched all kinds of crazy projects, and they didn't. They, he didn't end up going forward with it. But I got to write some dialogue for Beast Boy and Speedy, and and that was a lot of fun. And Wonder Girl, you know, and that was that was whack, wacky stuff happening with the DC books at the time. But uh, you know, it ended up being pretty fun. And that's the uh, Life and Death Teen Titans trade. That ended up being reprinted in there. It was like Robin, like 147 and 148, maybe. Okay. Uh, the nice thing about that is working for a bigger mainstream publisher if they decide to redo those books and put them out in, in Brazil I get little royalty checks so that's pretty cool that's cool that's sure. that's the goal of a lot of freelancers get paid yesterday for something I did day before yesterday <laughs> and uh, going on to your Lone Star Press stuff Biscuit and Lefty and then Pantheon is Amazon part of that? it is part okay. of that I was doing uh, a little what I thought was a superhero anthology and we were selling them through Diamond, and I was writing and inking this, this project called Amazon about a, a female take on the Superman myth that's got its own kind of spin on it. It's kind of fun. And Willingham, before he went back to work for Vertigo, was looking for stuff to do, and he pitched me a project, and I said, hey, let's do it. So he wrote Pantheon. I inked it. Mike Leake and others penciled it. There's some really awesome Steve Lieber pages in the middle of, uh, of the thing. And that was a fun little 12-issue maxi-series that we did. That It got critical, positive reviews and just about no sales. Because when it comes to being a, a guy who makes comics, I'm a good cog, but I'm not really a good editor. You know? <laughs> not a good PR guy. So, so that came out. And then um, after I'd done a whole bunch of mainstream superhero-y type work, I wanted to do something different, so I wrote this book, Biscuit and Lefty, A Cat's Tale, and we're doing it in the in the half-page format, the same way that I do my Side Chicks webcomic. So you take two of these half-pages and stack them, and you've got a print page. So they're real friendly for tablets. They're real friendly for books when they come out. But that book's available through Amazon.com. It's available on Comixology and on the Comics Plus app by Iverse. And it's this cute little slice-of-life story penciled by Bobby Diaz, and I did most of the rest of it except for Tom Zoller, who did the lettering. And that was, you know, a fun little project. 
Okay. And what, what what do you have going on right now? Anything uh, you're working on currently, or I'm uh, planning planning to be putting out? Yeah, I'm I'm. Well, that's the thing. I, I make plans, and then you know, the world laughs at me. But uh, <laughs> I'm planning to do a project called Mr. Mystery, that is about a fake Golden Age character that comes to the modern world, and it is a world totally unrecognizable to him. Okay. There's a guy from the 40s who jumps up to now can look around and say, well, first of all, I can't smoke anywhere. Second of all, naked women advertise everything, and there are these little things you carry around in your hands that you can watch movies on. What kind of world is this? Yeah. So he finds a world where crimes overrun his beloved hometown, the, the, his descendants are having a hard time keeping up his old house, and he doesn't fit in the, with the modern world. So it's a... It's kind of a restoration story where he's trying to fix his city and his family and himself and try to find a way to fit in with the modern world. But that's a webcomic I'm working on. So it's like a, a, a darker take on Captain America, but more more about his personal life. Other there's, than there's, a, there's, there's a bit of that. Uh, you know, the influences of all the influences on this. There was a season of Prime Suspect I really liked. That's <laughs> an influence on this. But it's, it's a lot of the fish-out-of-water stuff that they did for a little bit with Captain America and except it's with a pulp character who can do some interesting stuff. So it's it's kind of a mishmash of some of my some of my favorite influences at the time I wrote it. But the the penciler on this is a guy named Scott Jones and we're putting pages together and at some point it will come out to a screen near you and then probably in print. Okay. Sounds good. Well uh, if people want to buy your stuff where can they go? They can find my novels on the Kindle through the Amazon. You can find Pantheon, uh, a side chicks. Side chicks is little stories about superpowered female bodyguards. <laughs> IDW sells those through Comicsology for me, which is really nice of them. And then, uh, you know, occasionally my books find their way into comic shops. So, you know, if you're looking, you can find them online somewhere. All right. Well, cool. Thanks for talking to us. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Bye. Okay, Chad. That was uh, that was a nice interview. Uh, it sounds pretty pretty cool, and uh, we'll we'll all be looking forward to that uh, that web comic of his. Yeah, it's, uh, definitely like a you know play on the whole Captain America thing, like we said in the interview. And and uh, I did he actually did give me a copy of his uh, his uh, Justice League uh, was it Unlimited, I believe, um, comic, and uh, I read through it. It was pretty good. So good stuff all around. It's kind of kind of it's kind of sucks that. Uh, uh, that uh, they had to, you know, ruin the whole, the whole reveal with the cover, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's it's usually how it goes nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. So next up, we have uh, who is it? Errol C. Yeah, Errol. Um, you know, originally I, you know, when we first when, we, when I first talked to him, we talked about Green Lantern. So this is just me catching up with a friend. Uh, and, you know, and he's he's uh, he's got a big love of the. Uh, the reason I always talk to Errol is because he's always got a uh, a good love for for the industry and for the people. Uh, and you know, every time I see him, it's at a local con. And uh, Errol does something that you know I'm sure other people do do occasionally, but I I, I myself haven't really encountered that it that much. He gives free sketches at local shows because he likes to support. You know the 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 people who come to, you know to see him and and uh, everyone else at the show. So 
I, I think that really speaks to his love of the industry. So I always make a point to, you know, not just talk to, you know, my friend, but, you know, just talk to somebody who can always, you know, bring that kind of perspective and love of the medium to, to the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And for somebody that's just giving away free sketches, like his art is like really, really nice. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely. check him out on uh, DeviantArt. Yeah, absolutely. And he's done a, uh, a, a, a a pencil phantom stranger for me he's done uh, a green lantern hal jordan he's done a uh, a firestorm and it's it's all great stuff so all, all of which for free yeah so at least the sketches that i've seen have kind of a like a shane davis kind of vibe to them you know like yeah. a like a rage yeah. of the red lanterns era kind of thing yeah as a matter of fact um while we listen to the interview, if you guys want to Google his name under Google Images, there's actually a pretty cool image with uh, kind of like a Marvel DC cr- crossover image that uh, you might really like. So uh, here's that interview while we look up that image. <laughs> cool. All right, guys. Uh, just uh, wrapping up today at Staple and uh, just uh, sitting down with uh, Errol C. How's it going, Errol? Well, doing good. Doing good. How's your uh, show been so far? Well... Uh, it's it's pretty okay. Yeah, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, staple is mainly. I mean, from my understanding, it's to me, it's more of about uh, mingling and networking with uh, with other local artists. And and uh, it's I had a great time, especially yesterday. Uh, it's the first time that I've seen the show. And it's I think it's it's growing because uh, as as far as my observation yesterday, there's there's some like traffics you know, from uh, both sides of the room. Yeah. And, and that's a good sign that, you know, that this show is, you know, a little bit getting bigger and bigger every year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's mainly locals and independent. This is this, this, this our, this is our uh, time to, you know, to show and, and shine, you know, in, in, in a sh- small convention like this. Yeah, and uh, you were telling me yesterday that uh, yesterday was pretty packed. It's the pack, most packed you've ever seen. It's been so. It's been growing over the past few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I observed yesterday that I've seen some some traffic and talked to a lot of people and doing some sketches. Uh, yeah, and it's a good. Like I said, it's a good sign. Okay. And uh, when I was at Austin, I, I told you I hadn't ever been to Staple. You said I really need to get on that. Uh-huh. <laughs> what What is it about this show to you that that really it needs to be a draw for everybody. Well, a, as a part of this show every year, I think I have uh, helped promote the show. And, uh, and you, as you you know, you're a convention goers. Yeah. And we live in one city, Austin. And I think, you know, it's best for you to check this out, like small cons like this. Yeah. And you're definitely going to see, like, you know, uh, familiar faces that you see on a bigger show. But uh, as I've said, this is mainly more of a local artist and independent uh, type of uh, a show. So uh, you don't see like big names around here because, you know, everybody is more of a local. But, uh, Except when Bernie Reichen shows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. And uh, I really, you know, kudos to those guys who who continue doing the show because uh, it's this is a show that you know a lot of Austin should 
if if everybody would really support and and I know a lot of comic fans and 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 artists and you know readers doesn't know about this particular show but like you know moving forward in the future you uh, would know we're gonna spread out the you know the knowledge that we we have this type of show and uh, I think that's what the uh, organizers been doing for the past years and uh, the reason why I tell you is you know I have to let you know and everybody else that we have this type of uh, convention yeah it's it's good to you know take away from because Austin Comic Con's great, but it's got so many celebrity guests and vendors and everything else that the attention from strictly well this show is basically just a big artist alley uh -huh. and, and small press uh, area. So that yeah, it's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, some of these guys that you would be surprised, like uh, I would mention Bill. Uh, a lot of people doesn't know. Well, first Bill lives in Austin. But he actually worked for some uh, big companies like IDW, DC, and you know he works with uh, Bill Willingham. A lot of people doesn't know that. And and if you go to the show, you will be surprised. Oh my God! You know we have guys that work in this industry and and, and still doing what they love to do. And this is a chance to meet those guys. Yeah. And I know there's some artists around here uh, 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 and uh, creators that made it to the big, you know, yeah. to the big league. So it's it's more of uh, discovering what we have here in Austin. And and uh, yeah, and, and I would you know refer to everybody that you know hopefully in the near future everybody can you can see and, and join and and support this this is this show and are you aware of any other uh, local kind of shows like this whether it be in Austin or other places that you visit that have a similar kind of feel and I would say uh, <clears throat> besides those big shows like what wizard and you know major shows I think this is the only show that I know and <clears throat> well besides also on a free comic book day and some invitations from our local comic book shop right which is pretty much normal. They invite artists and, uh, <coughs> you know, to appear and do some sketches and meet, you know, those fans out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the only show that I can think of. And it, it should be continued every year. Right, yeah, it's a, it's a nice feel. It is. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big superhero fan, as you know, so walking around, it's nice to be exposed to different things. And there's a lot of weird art out there. Mm -hmm. Supporting that local Keep Austin weird stuff yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, this is like uh, looking at the you know away from your usual type of superhero. So uh, I would say that Staple would give you a different basis of uh, an art of a creative and uh, uh, imaginary of of our local artists. So some of them are weird to you, but it's, yeah. it's art. Art, it's, it's a different form. Subjective. Exactly. And you see all types of here. You got cartoony style, you got manga style, you got some weird style. And this is what Austin is made of. Yeah. And, yeah, I think people should support this yeah. all the way. And uh, with the stuff that you've been doing lately, have you been doing any more work for CCP? Well, uh, as of now, I'm 
I'm doing my own book. Uh, it's um, it's like a mafia 1930s thing. Okay. Because uh, you know I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, like you know the old school type of mafia. Right. Like uh, one of my favorite movies uh, that really inspired me on doing this book is uh, uh, Road to Perdition. Okay. So that's one that's one thing that I wanted this book to be be done. And I've worked with uh, Bill Williams. Okay. And uh, uh, guys, the colors guys that I've known, like look kind of my friend. So it it like going back to uh, a staple. This is also a good way or like an open door to work with some other artists. Yeah. You know, this is your chance to uh, collaborate with them yeah. without any, I would say, money involved because yeah. they love what they're doing and you love what you're doing. Yeah. But if you work it together and create something that it might be uh, a success in the future. Right. So this is a good environment for that. You know, not only because some of the guys, they met artists from DeviantArt, and after yeah. that, you know, they made history, they they collaborated and everything. If this is, what, what I can say is, you met them, like, face to face. Right. And you talk to them, and you never know, you might, you know, end up on working on something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, this, uh, and, oh, going back to the project, yeah, I'm doing a project, uh, it's called The Sixth Mafia. And uh, I already posted uh, like pages, like first page, second page on my Facebook, and uh, we're we're planning on getting like a fan page probably in the next two months. Okay. So as soon as we get breakdowns on all the pages and the title logo, and we'll we'll keep we'll keep you updated. Okay. And uh, please do watch watch out for that. And you said the colorist was that is that with me, Tommy or? Oh no, Tommy's been doing a lot of stuff. I don't want to bother him. Yeah. Uh, he's also doing some uh, stuff for CCP, and I think he's uh, he's already signed up for two books. Okay. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Bill Williams is on board, and uh, of course McLean's gonna do the the lettering, and I'll do the penciling. And uh, a friend of mine who is uh, uh, he's from Asia, and uh, I met him uh, a couple years back, and he loves the the pitching him the project and he he uh, he he said that you know he's in he's interested and and that's the way it is you pitch in your 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 project and somebody would be interested and you know share their talent right and and uh, see what happens and we'll, we're gonna go from there yeah. and one of the things I wanted to bring up again is uh, you did this at Austin and you're doing it again here whenever you're at a local show you do free sketches let's well because like, I don't know, I think I told you before that I want to return the favor to the fans. Yeah. And uh, uh, doing a show like this, it, it, it's like reuniting with, with Austin. Because even though we have a big show in Austin, you, some of the fans that, you know, like convention goers, it's not all of it's not all came from Austin. But this, this type of thing, you know, makes them, you know, happy. After they left the show, you got some ROC sketch. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of money for that, but I like doing sketch for, for everybody. And is there any particular favorite character? I never asked you this before. Do you oh, have a favorite oh, character? Yeah, yeah, I will have a lot. But uh, uh, if you ask me, the first character that would probably come to mind is Wolverine. 
I'm okay. a huge I'm a huge fan of Wolverine uh, ever since. And uh, yeah, Wolverine, Gambit. Wolverine and Gambit. Yeah, I love Gambit. Gambit's my one of my favorite characters. Yeah, and, and and through the years, uh, I have a lot of requests of those characters. So probably you know I've been drawing them, and you know it, it grew on me. Like oh, I love this, this character, and um, you know I've been reading those comic books. So. Yeah, it looks like you've evolved into really uh, liking the Hulk lately, too. Uh -huh. So, <laughs> well, I got a lot of requests for that, and uh, I think after that uh, huge movie, The Avengers, yeah, uh, people, you know, kind of like the Hulk. Yeah. Even the even the non-comic book readers who actually saw the movie, they were like, "Oh, I love the Hulk." So that really inspired me. I was like, "Let me draw the Hulk," you know. So. Yeah. Well, it was good catching up with you. And that project you're working on, the the, the mafia thing. What's it called? One more time. Uh, it's called the Six Head Mafia. It's uh, it's like six a head? Six Head Mafia. Six Head Mafia. And uh, it's uh, like a gangster type, 19 uh, 1930s type, but it has twist with a uh, supernatural. It's it's like a combination of uh, road to perdition and uh, kick ass. Okay. Wow, well, that's that's a lot. <laughs> I know, but uh, well, I'm definitely gonna uh, post some uh, some some insight about the the project. Rough, roughly, when do you think the first uh, issue will be up? Uh, I would say five months from now. Five months? Because we we want to do it. Uh, we want to do the first issue, like uh, you know, we put our heads on it, do 100%. Because you know, uh, first impressions. Is always less. Right. So you want to make sure the first issue would be freaking awesome. Yeah. Exactly. So and I will definitely gonna probably uh, share you the links okay, or tag sure. you, and maybe you can share it with your friends. And For sure. So Absolutely. and and this 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 book will be uh, will be our future uh, you know submission to big companies. Okay. And hopefully you know they will pick it up. All right. Well, that was uh, just great talking with you uh, and catching up. And that's Errol C. It's always good to see you at the show. Yeah, it's it's nice to have a, a contact to just if anything, if nothing else, just have a place to sit down every now and then. <laughs> yeah. So so, uh, so so CCP Comics and Six Head Mafia, and we'll uh, keep in touch, man. All right. Good All right. man. Good to see you. Thank you, brother. Okay, and we're back. So how how about that one, guys? Yeah, Errol, Errol's cool. Um, I, I I love his inks. Um, you know, his pencils and inks. It's like, it's it's nice. I, like I said, you know, you check out his Deviant Art. Um, I've looked at it a couple of times, and like the stuff in there, like I like the way that he draws women and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and like when you see him draw Wolverine, like you can tell that he is a big fan because, you know, that is probably one of his specialties. Yeah, he does a lot of Wolverine. He's been getting a lot of Hulk requests lately because he does a good Hulk. Um, and, you know, just that kind of stuff. Um, he's also a big fan of Gambit, too. So he'll do a lot of Gambit as well. But, uh, yeah, so that was the that was the Central Texas Toy and Comic Expo. Um, it was, uh, it was, it was, I mean, not the Central Texas Toy. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting my cons mixed up. I said it was an independent show, local artists. Um, I've not been to a show like this before, um, so it's kind of it was kind of like a, a first con experience 
kind of a thing. Uh, um, you know, it's not like there's going to be a whole lot of, oh, I'm writing for Superman, or I'm writing, you know, the new Nova series, something like that. It's, it's strictly people doing their own thing. And, um, you know, it's uh, it, was a, it was a pretty unique experience. Uh, I've not ever been to a con like that before. Where there's, I literally, you know, besides like Errol and, and, um, and Wrightson, which I already got an interview for, so uh, I didn't really need to talk to him about uh, his stuff. Uh, you know, and just kind of for a full weekend wandering around discovering things. Yeah, it sounds like a Texas version of Mocha, and one of my favorite convention experiences was a Mocha from I forget when it was within the last five years. Or it's just you you turn every corner and you have absolutely no idea what you're going to find because there is no baseline of well, it's there's going to be that mainstream thing I'm used to. It can be it can be like a really great fun experience of discovery. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, those are the only two interviews I got from Staple. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I went not just to interview Errol, but I went to you know kind of get the feel of Staple. He kept telling me I should go, and um, you know, so I was like, all right, well, what the hell? Why not? It's local. I'll go check it out. <clears throat> Cool. Uh, and then uh, a month, two months later, I went to um, uh, the uh, Central Texas Toy and Comic Expo, the very first one they ever had. It was actually out in San Marcos, Texas. Um, it was May the 4th and 5th, so Star Wars Day and uh, Free Comic Book Day, as well as Cinco de Mayo. Um, and I uh, just went out there because uh, your friend and mine, Tom Wynn, is gonna be there, was going to be there. Um, he was the anchor on Green Lantern alongside Doug Monkey. Um, so I went out there to, to check him out. Uh, you know, a couple a couple of other individuals were there, and you know, through through Tom, I met some other people. And uh, well, why not just start with Tom? <laughs> All right, guys, uh, it's Chad, and I'm at uh, the Central Texas Toy and Comic Expo. I think it's the first one they've ever had. Uh, and uh, it is May 4th, May the 4th, Star Wars Day, Free Comic Book Day. And I am sitting with uh, Tom Wynn, or Tom Nguyen, as he pronounced it earlier, although he told me last time it was Tom Wynn. I like to keep people on their toes. <laughs> All right, sir. So the first big question I have to ask you is, Green Lantern 20 is the last issue of the current creative team, Jeff Johns, Doug Monkey, and you, yourself as well as a couple others for, as the Inkers. Uh, where are you going after this, if you can at all say anything? See, I'm not sure if I can say because I'm not sure what is officially news yet. Um, I mean, just assume that wherever Doug is going and if he's going to be working with Jeff, then we'll probably deal with the same, you know, deadline, hectic deadline schedules on a monthly basis. And since I'm usually attached to Doug, um, I'll probably be uh, helping out on whatever he works on next. I wish I could say because I honestly don't know what's what's officially announced yet or not. So. Well, I'm sure by the time we actually do the uh, the record, the, the posted episode that goes around this interview, the news will either be out, and if it is, I can research and tell people where it's what it's uh, what you're what you're talking about, because you know we'll go from there. But uh, Green Lantern 20 is the last issue of the current creative team, and you've been on Green Lantern for almost as long as uh, Doug and Jeff have been. So uh, fond memories. What's? Oh yeah, I mean it's um, other than other than inking 
um, the emblems, the, the various Green Lantern or the Lantern emblems because they're all circular. And as inkers, you know, we have to like do it perfectly by like taking these templates and finding the right match. That's a big pain in the ass, but I don't miss that at all. Not to mention the sheer number of like characters in the Green Lantern universe. But uh, no, 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 it's, I'm just joking. Yeah, it's all fun. Good memories. Good memories. Good, good. You know, I mean, it's just to be involved with some stuff like, uh, like the epic Blackest Night. You know, it's just, uh, it's an honor to be a part of that. Yeah. And um, Green Lantern 20 has uh, mostly finished. Is uh, how you feeling about it? I mean, I know you can't reveal anything to anybody. Although this, it may be out by the time this goes up, but you can't say anything. How you feeling about it? How you, how you think the fan reaction is going to be? Oh, it's going to be epic. I mean, uh, Jeff and Doug are going out with a bang. I mean, this is going to be huge issue, like literally huge. So, um, it's um, fans will there will be a reactions. That's for sure. Okay. All right. Um, so. After you leave Green Lantern, you're following Monkey. Now, I asked you if you had any favorite moments. Is there anything about uh, Green Lantern in particular you're going to miss doing? Yeah, well, miss doing or just in general? I mean, either or. I mean, you've, you've worked with these characters for so long, there's got to be something that you've gotten used to or enjoy in particular. Uh, well, it's, you know, I treat it as a, a job, you know, uh, as anything else. I mean, of course, the characters are memorable. And then just to say that you work on Green Lantern, now that Green Lantern's a household name. But the thing I'll miss the most are the royalty checks because it's sold so much. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, something we didn't talk about last time. You, you do have your uh, instructional uh, DVD uh, and uh, material out there, but I did not know last time that you do these little classes uh, over here, and you've been talking about it to people who come by uh, on the table. Well, there, we do have a few uh, people in our uh, listenership who are artists, or budding artists. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Oh yeah, this is a, a new project that I'm starting. It started in January, actually, and um, basically it's online teaching. Uh, if you go to artsamurai.net, and it's basically um, uh, I'm, I'm teaching every other week. Uh, I give a homework assignment out, and whoever wants to participate can draw the homework assignment. And we do various fun assignments. Like the last assignment we had was drawing the Wicked Witch of the West, do some funny, redesign Skeletor from He-Man, draw a monster. And um, if you decide to take the class, uh, it's $20 for two hours of interactive instruction. I give you a password, and you log in, and uh, I critique all your homework. I draw over it in Photoshop, and then at the end of the class, I'll, I'll draw my version of it. And it's all interactive, so no matter how many students we get, they can chat with each other real-time and chat with me. So it really is like a virtual online classroom. So it's not like a one-on-one -on -one boring thing. It's not an email exchange. This is all interactive. and. You won't find a better deal with that anywhere. You go, you go pay for art classes at schools and colleges. I mean, you're going to be paying, you know, out, out the ass for that. This is the best deal online. I, I guarantee it that you can get from a, a learning from a pro and having a lot of fun doing it. That's not going to break the bank. So. And how often is it? It's uh, every other Wednesday. We have a class this uh, Wednesday evening, 8 p.m. Central Time, and uh, this lesson is on. Uh, doing gesture sketches, looking at body. What I was kind of demoing before with the, a fan who was here yeah. earlier today, so. Yeah, and uh, you were more than gracious enough to, he brought his sketchbook up and you, you, you pulled up uh, his work and gave him some critique, and are you willing to do that for just anybody, even if they don't want to actually do the homework? Are they able to come in? And if they come up to me at a, at a con, the way I look at it is I, when I make an appearance at any convention, I'm here for the people. So whatever they want from me, I mean, I'm almost willing to do, so. 
Okay, when we when we spoke last uh, at Wizard World two years ago, issue three has just just come out, and so the new fifty two was still fairly new. And uh, I was asking you questions about deadlines and that kind of stuff. Now that we're about twenty issues in. Yep. Is there a difference? Do you, do you, is there a more notable difference now that New 52 is out as far as uh, pressure and deadline crunches, that kind of stuff? Um, no, it's the same. For, for me, anyway, it's basically the same. It's always been bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always like, you know, we want a week's worth of work in two days or something to that extent. So yeah. I'm kind of used to it anyways. And, uh, you know, there, there's there's been news surrounding the New 52 uh, and uh, that... Uh, the editorial cr crunch down is, uh, is is causing people to leave books and so on and so forth. Have you uh, seen or heard of anything, anything you want to comment on? I know you can't say too much, um, but is, is there anything been going on that you're aware of? Uh, personally, uh, I, it hasn't affected me. Yeah. Um, I don't think it directly affects inkers as much because, uh, you know, the stuff is going on, the writers are the ones that have to do the rewrites and the artists, the pencilers are the ones who have to do the redraws. Um, very rarely does it get down to the, the inker level to where they have to re-ink things you know, and stuff. Right. Um, so it hasn't affected me because I would assume that by the time the pages get in my hands, it's all been taken care of before yeah. it gets to my hands. Um, have I heard stories? Oh yeah, I've heard some pretty bad stories about um, you know, editorial crackdowns and stuff. Uh, and, and and let me preface this by saying that it's not all of editorial. It's, that, that's a very general statement. But I've heard specific cases yeah. to where it was too heavy-handed to the point where it, it drove, you know, uh, uh, creators nuts. And, um, and uh, I have no reason not to believe the creators. I mean, I spoke to them myself and, and you know, they're my friends. So um, I, know it, I know it's happening. And if it is happening the way they describe it, yeah, it's bullshit. But uh, I don't think it's happening across the board. I think these are isolated cases. Right. And uh, how much of it do you think with the fans here is bullshit? A good, a good percentage of it is probably just over-exaggeration? Well, you know, I mean, the very public Liefeld thing—that's one thing. But the the rest of it is, you know, that, that gets trickled down when someone steps off a book, and the reasons why half of it's probably bullshit. Well, you know, uh, what was the Liefeld thing, by the way, that was like the greatest piece of entertainment <laughs> on Twitter ever <laughs> at the time. <laughs> you know, I, I get entertained easily. I'm holed up in my house, but um, you know what? I I don't I don't wouldn't go as far as to say that everything they hear is mostly bullshit because you know you see these reports, but then then you'll read that like creators will comment about them, and they you know some of them will corroborate what's what's been put out there. So I, yeah, some of it's a case of you know exaggerating the, the size of the fish you caught, you know, so to speak, but um, I, I, just from my dealings and then my personal interactions, I, I believe a good chunk are, there's some truth in a lot of that. Okay. Now, on a oh, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's entertainment uh, at its best, <laughs> at the, <laughs> the very least. It's inner office politics made public. Um, totally. <laughs> now, you've, uh, you, you've kind of, uh, it's been two years since I've seen you. How, how's your con schedule going? What do, you, what do you got coming up? Oh, I got a pretty busy con schedule this uh, summer, and uh, I got distracted for a moment. But <laughs> Man, look at that ass. Man, it's just unreal. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you folks will probably see on Facebook if you follow me <laughs> what we're talking about. Oh, man, there's this, there's this chick that's dressed up. I'll just say it, but they can check it out. She's dressed up as a cat woman. 
like Arkham and, City Catwoman. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and her her butt's just hanging out, and it's not a it's a great ass. <laughs> She's a great shape, and it's it's rare because most of you go to these things that most cosplayers. This is a PG-13 episode, by the way. Cosplayers look like shit, but this one knocked it out of the park. You yeah. Know? So, but um, I'm sorry, I got distracted. What were we talking about? Uh, your con schedule. <laughs> Where you see more of this. <laughs> San Diego. That's where you see more of this. San Diego actually has like supermodels doing cosplay. But anyways, um, pretty busy this year. I mean, I've got uh, an appearance at Iowa, which will be my second one this year. And that's at a store. That's just a store signing. But um, that's going to be a limited edition in Cedar Falls, Iowa. The best store I've ever signed at. I mean, the uh, you know, usually you get the crowds at the conventions. But the business I get at this store is like it rivals any convention appearance I do. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, and in, in, in Iowa, of all places. The, the guy who runs it, Rob, is great at promoting. And then I have a, a three-day appearance in Knoxville for Fanboy Expo next month. I've got uh, Comic-Con in San Diego, of course. I have... Uh, I don't envy you. Um, then there's uh, the Fanboy Expo. They're doing their first show in Tampa, Florida in August. I love that. Chicago, Wizard World in August. Uh, Alamo City uh, Comic Con San Antonio in October. Hopefully I can make an Austin show there. And then New Orleans for sure uh, January, I believe. So, um, pretty packed. This is the, the most cons I've gone to in a long time in one year. So, um, you know. Business is pretty good. Is, is it more sketches or is it more prints? Or what's what's your business shake out to be? Uh, most of my business is sketches and then some original art pages and stuff like that. Um, prints depending on how much I bring, which is usually not a lot, out of sheer laziness to make prints. And then... Uh, keep telling you need to do colorize and make prints of these pages. I know. I'm going to give you credit for that idea, too. <laughs> I don't know if I'll give you commission, but I'll give you, you know... I'll give you... Free sketch. Free commission. Okay. <laughs> so, um, then promoting this new Art Samurai thing, um, you know, the instructional stuff. And then, um, you know, debating on whether I should promote more of my side gig as a photographer with the with my sexy uh, naked models yeah oh yeah naked but they're close although I wouldn't mind shooting more naked models I suppose yeah you do a lot of uh, pretty uh, awesome looking photography and stuff I mean we, we talk about the comic stuff we kind of briefly touched on it last time uh, at Austin what's your what's your photography business like what's that side of things obviously I mean, when you meet people at cons, maybe you can pull some people in like that. But what's what's the photography side of things for you? Oh, right now, well, I just uh, I've done some commercial photography, some gigs, you know, like catalogs and then ads and stuff like that. And I I did some uh, photography for a modeling agency in the uh, in my neck of the woods. And I recently quit that because got a little burnt out and with all the traveling and stuff. And, yeah. and um, so I I wanted to just kind of step back and just focus more on, on art again. I mean, my, my backbone of, of my work will always be the art, and the photography has always been for fun. I want to go back to the for fun part and just shoot for myself, do just like travel photography, street photography, and if I'm going to work with models, which I kind of got burnt out on working with models and their attitudes, they're, they have to be absolutely nude. You know, that's the only way I can get any excitement anymore out of it. They have to be naked. That's yeah. it. <laughs> the end. <laughs> We're, we're comic fans. I mean, we're not flawless. <laughs> why, why is that a flaw? <laughs> um, so, uh, anything you'd like to promote? You got your, where's the website for your lessons? Where, they, where can they find your photography? Where can they get your art? Uh, artsamurai.net is uh, the online art instruction that I'm offering. Uh, you can type in Art Samurai, Art Samurai Net, one word on Facebook. They have a page. And then, um, you know, my, my work, just uh, Green Lantern stuff. 
just just Google my name and stuff will always come up. Uh, you know, my two instructional books, How to Draw uh, Incredible Comics with Tom Nguyen, Incredible Comic Book Women with Tom Nguyen, and then um, TomNguyenPhoto.com, TomNguyenArt.com, and uh, that's it. Just, uh, you know, uh, follow me on Twitter and Facebook. I'm not the best at updating my Twitter and blog, admittedly, or my website for that matter. I'm most active on Facebook. Um, and then just, uh, I'm not hard to find. So uh, you'll find most of my updates there. All right. So uh, Green Lantern 20, when it hits shelves, and wherever Doug Monkey is, you'll probably find him after Green Lantern 20. Tom will be there also. So uh, thanks for sitting down to talk to us. And, uh, Thank you, my friend. Yes, you're, you're the man. Yeah. See you around. Yes. The thing that you know I found most interesting about this interview was the uh, like the drawing the online drawing class that he was talking about. Art Samurai. Is, is that what he called it? Yeah, ArtSamurai.net, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah, no, that's like that's really neat. You know, like as far as like him actually like drawing <laughs> over, you know, what you drew to like give you pointers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. And then the, you know, like the wide array of, uh, you know, like things that you draw. And the fact that it's every two weeks, so it's like not on top of each other. Um, now, that's really cool. Like if, if I was like in the market, you know, to uh, try and improve my art, um, then absolutely that would be something that I would uh, look into. Yeah, and, the, and people and schools have offered similar kinds of online classes before but not nearly as affordable as the, the one he's doing. So it's it's a really cool opportunity. You're getting feedback and input from somebody who does it professionally in the field, and it's a nice, casual resource for somebody who's so, so inclined but maybe doesn't have art school in the cards right now. Um, yeah. Now, now, what you call it? Now, the women that you were posing with on your Facebook mm-hmm. from this convention. Yeah. Were they like were they just, you know, cosplay fans that had attended the convention or like were they working for a specific booths or whatever? Uh which women? <laughs> Bob just uh, in general, like, you know, were some and were not others? Um a lot of them were were fans. Um one in uh, the, the the one that Tom and I get distracted. The one that by got away. <laughs> the one, look, uh, I, I am I am all for like being totally and completely respectful of women, but at the same time, I'm a dude. <laughs> and uh, when we say we got distracted, it was a it was a justified distraction. <laughs> um, but uh, her and her friends, she or she, her and her friends were. Um, uh, actually, are actually go-go dancers, uh, as well as cosplayers. So, um, so yeah, that that that's part of what they were doing. The other ones were actually, um, and I can I can pull up the uh, the if I can pull up my Facebook page, I can tell you exactly what the name of the booth was. Um, I believe it's like Devils Girls or something like that. Um, it was actually it's cool. Uh, this was their first convention, and they were there. Uh, their first comic convention, and they were there because um, uh, they were there because uh, they wanted to try and break into the mar- market. Usually, what they do is they go out to auto shows and you know pose with the cars and the guys who own the cars and you know take photographs and that kind of stuff. These were um, like so the pinup girls. 
Yeah, these, yeah, these were the pinup girls, and like the cla- pinup girls, classic pinup girls, we should say. Cl- Classic pinup, yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. The 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 last day of the con, they dressed up as superheroes, you know, because they just wanted to have some fun. Uh. But uh, I I told the dude, I said I the the guy who run who ran the booth, uh, I told him flat out, if you keep going to cons and you keep doing the pinup thing, you're gonna be a hit, because I I as far as I and granted I haven't been to a whole lot of cons, but at the same time I don't think I've ever seen like something that strictly revolves around pinups as far as cosplay is concerned. Um, and I these mean, are like, super hot girls that are, are doing pinup. Like the, well, the way that they did it, it's, it was, uh, it's very classy. If they like combine style, like classic pinup version of superhero costumes, then I think like they would, you know, they'd be huge. Right, uh, and it's it was uh, Lucky Devil Pinups actually, uh, and is it, the name is the name of it. And they they have a Facebook page, uh, Lucky Devil Pinups. And I told them, you, you know, actually, those um, statues that DC is coming out with now that are the superheroines but pinup yeah, style, the bombshell, exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah, the bombshells. I I actually pulled up that stuff on my phone while I was at the con, and I showed it to the dude. And then the one of the girls, uh, Danny, I think her name is. She, she, uh, Danny and Kimber, um, they they pulled. You know, Mia. I was like, wait, show me that. And they're like, uh, yeah, we're doing this. So like they 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 see, seem to be really uh, into the idea. Uh, and they had such a great such a great feedback because well, you know, it's a con and they're hot girls. Uh, <laughs> that uh, that uh, they he said, yeah, we're actually absolutely going to try and be at another con again. Because yeah. it was a, a very positive experience for them. Uh, no, that's that's pretty interesting that they also go to the car shows because, like that that would be really neat, especially with like a classic muscle car or something like that. Right, and that's that's if you if you like Lucky Devil Pinup's Facebook page, you will see a ton of pictures just like that. That's I mean that's their main stock and trade is going to car shows and doing the pinup things around classic cars. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to you know take so much of the focus off of Tom, but. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. It's your own fault. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, actually, my profile picture right now is with those uh, Lucky Devil pinup girls, and they're 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 actually uh, really really nice girls. I know you know you get a you can occasionally go to a convention. You'll get those you know those girls who are just like uh, kind of stay away from me kind of stuff. Um, they have that kind of attitude about them, and it's not like you know they ever actually say anything, but you can just kind of get that feeling that they they are uncomfortable being there and are uncomfortable with the attention. Yeah. These girls are these girls are like all about it. They're, I mean, because obviously they have the experience of of, of that kind of uh, attention. So, yeah, very cool, very cool. And uh, Tom, uh, I guess I can now say, uh, you know, kind of gave me a sneak preview of Green Lantern number twenty. So, <laughs> and that was cool to see the uh, finished pencils and inks before the book, like weeks before the book even came out. Of uh, some certain pages, so. And uh, since this, haven't we've learned that he's going to be moving over to ink Justice League of America, right? Yes, uh, Monkey is now going to be um, uh, drawing Justice League of America because Jeff Johns is writing it. And uh, as you heard in that interview, 
Um, Tom will be going wherever Doug goes. So <laughs> that means that uh, Tom will be in- doing the inks for Doug on uh, Justice League of America. So that's kind of cool. Like the, the Green Lantern creative team is staying intact, just moving over to another book. And they're taking Simon Baz with them. So it's it's kind of like a cool, like that, that character will still look and sound exactly the way we are used to, to seeing him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. That is cool. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, and it's it's a Justice League book, so hopefully it'll uh, it'll continue to sell well. Yeah, and uh, actually, while I was at the con, um, you know, um, just a couple of cool little stories. Um, I was once again Tom. Every time Tom comes to town, I end up being his bitch somehow. <laughs> uh, um, now he was, you know, he was running out of those comic pages. Uh, the the 11 by 17 stuff with like the blue border that they right. turn in comic pages on. Um, and that's what he, you know, when you order a sketch from him, that's what he does it on. Um, and he was running low on it. So I ran out to the nearest Hobby Lobby, which is like a Michael's. And, you know, he gave me some cash uh, and I picked up that and some lunch for us. Um, but um, it was kind of funny. The only uh, kind of notebook that I could find with that paper was one with a cover drawn by Katie Cook. Oh, yeah. So, so it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are already aware of it, but I, you know, I'm not an artist, so I never see that stuff. It was, it was just kind of cool to make a, a run for an artist that I know and run into work by another artist that I know. Uh, so that was cool. The uh, the art that she did for that, like that was that was years ago too. Like none of the uh, the places around here like actually sell that one anymore. Uh-huh. Makes me a little sad. Well, maybe I can get you some at some point. No, you you mail him nothing until he gives you that glass. <laughs> well, he, he's got more than just that glass. Apparently, he was working on some birthday thing I never got. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. In fine gym tradition, Chad has a St. Walker sketch for me that he refuses to mail. <laughs> <laughs> that I actually got from Staple. <laughs> oh, and um, that night, actually... Um, you know, we ran into a couple other friends of Tom's, local friends, um, and uh, we actually all went out for Korean food later on that night uh, in nice. uh, in Austin. So I mean, it was, it was just like just hanging out. That was pretty. It was pretty cool. Um, and you know, I didn't bring my you know my uh, <laughs> recorder to to that. That that would be in bad taste. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it was cool to just kind of hang out with these people. And you know, one of the people uh, that we hung out with was actually uh, was actually David. Uh, and uh, David uh, Roman is actually from uh, CSA, and uh, I got a you know ended up talking with him, and uh, it's kind of a unique business, so I, in- I figured I'd bring some notoriety to it or some uh, notice to it rather, and um, I talked with him about uh, CSA Comics. So there you go. All right, guys, this is uh, day two uh, at uh, Central Texas Toy and Comic Expo. Uh, so Sunday, May the fifth, Cinco de Mayo. And uh, we are here, I'm just kind of standing around and talking to random people, and uh, I pulled outside this dude. Uh, it's the comic book signature authenticator, CSA. What's, what's that all about, and who are you? Well, my name's Dave Roman. I'm the president of CSA Comics LLC. We're comic book signature authenticators. Um, we specialize strictly in authenticating comic book-related signatures. That includes artists, writers, creators of all types, inkers, um, even uh, celebrities, 
such as The Walking Dead, Celebrity, Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica. Since comic books were made of them, we could also authenticate the actors. Okay. Wow, so you've expanded that far. Now, uh, it's, it's a pretty big process. So what goes into it? Well, we've got over 10,000 signatures on file um, between the five of us. We have over, we've accumulated well over 10,000 signatures in our database. And what we do is we would get a signature. We would do side-by-side -side comparison with the genuine signatures we have in our file. Uh, once everything looks good, we compare the angle, the spacing, the pressure, uh, terminal points, uh, open ends. Uh, we, we basically compare everything. We're very meticulous about that. Once everything looks good, then we get the image and we map it. And we call it characteristic signature map or CSM. And what we do is we mark the high points in a certain specific color and the low points in a different color. And then we connect those lines and it creates a pattern, just like a fingerprint. And even if the artist, uh, their signature looks a little bit different each time, it's never identical. But when you create a CSM, the pattern pretty much looks the same every single time. And that is a one, one way we can also verify that it is genuine. And then on top of that, if we have the comic book or item in person, we take a high resolution photograph of it. We also take an infrared photo, and the infrared is to detect any kind of pencil or trace marks. And then we take a UV light photo of it as well, and that will help us detect any erasure marks or editing. Is this a process you created? It's a process. Um, this, the characteristic signature map, the CSN, is our process, but the photography, the side-by-side -side comparison, a lot of that is over the years that um, we've learned how to properly do that. Uh, we're members of the UACC, and it's the highest authority basically on signature authenticating. And um, it's just something we've loved. We love doing. We've we've always wanted to do this, and we got to the point to where me and my brothers decided we really, really, really wanted to do something together as brothers. No, it's all start a business and. That's what we're doing now, and we're having a good time. We're having a blast. Now, what about uh, people who hear this are probably going to think you know, somewhere along the lines of comic grading. Have you, uh, have you paired up with them, or do you have any plans to do so? We're working on that. Yeah. We can't really talk much about it, right. uh, but we, we are in talks uh, with a grading company that we would love to, to uh, partner up with, yeah. or, or at least work together with. But yes, uh, a lot of people really like the grading aspect as well, and and uh, we'll see where this leads. <laughs> and where can people find your stuff? And can can they actually ship? Do they have to ship something to you to get it, or do, do they can they just send you an email file or something? Sort of? Well, the, the good thing is uh, we we never want a person's property to ever leave their site. Right. The only time we will ever see something in person and touch it is at the conventions. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, if they want something authenticated, they can send us a high-resolution file of the of the item, whether it's a toy that's been autographed or a poster or a comic book. Um, we require as high a resolution as, as possible. And um, once we receive the item, we'll review the resolution. If it's a good resolution, then everything's fine. Otherwise, we would have to email them back and ask them to re-photograph or yeah. re-scan. But that's all we require is a high-resolution photo of the item. Of course... Um, when they send us an image through email, we can't do the infrared photography or the UV light photography. Right. Um, but we do all the other authentications. And um, if they ever do appear at a convention, 
um, that uh, we're going to be attending. All they need to do is bring that, that item that they had us uh, authenticate through email. They bring us the item with a certi the certificate of authenticity that we provided. And we would then do the photography, infrared, UV light, and provide them the, the letter of visual inspection at no charge. Oh, wow. Okay. And what is the charge, and where can people find you? Right now, it's just $25 for full authentication. And if we have to ship it, it's $6 for shipping. And we're attending many conventions right now. We're, we're scheduled for Houston Comic Palooza, uh, the Philadelphia Wizard Show, the, the, um, the Wizard Shows of Chicago and Ohio. Wow, that's a lot. Of, that's a good lineup. And where can people go? What's your website? Where can they find your information? Our website is www.csacomics.com, and they can also uh, go to Facebook and find us on Facebook. Awesome. Well, have a great con, and it was great talking to you. Hey, thank you. No problem. Okay, yeah, that that was fascinating. Like that was incredibly fascinating, and like the weirdest thing about it is that like I have like almost no interest in getting autographs and signatures on my comics. Like, you know, every once in a blue moon, like, if there's something that I really like, then, you know, if I'm at a place and he's, you know, the person signing, like, then I'll, I'll get a signature. But, like, by the same token, like, just the whole process that, you know, that they go through to authenticate this stuff, mm -hmm. it's just, like, fascinating. And, like, super affordable. Yeah, I... I just kept having like, like, montage clips from CSI playing in my head while he was describing his process. <laughs> I'll be afraid though. Yeah. Like, like, what if I take something? Like, what if something in my non-existent collection of signature things like ended up being fake? And as long as I don't check, I don't have to know. <laughs> Not knowing is better than knowing that it's wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't help you with that. But that's uh, csacomics.com. Uh, and there, their website's actually, you know, definitely worth checking out also because it has the list of what conventions they're going to be hitting next. Right. And uh, not to mention, uh, they actually have a contest going on. And I really, I kind of, I don't want to talk about it because that greatly increases my chances of winning. Uh, <laughs> But but I'll be fair. Uh, and uh, they actually have a contest going on. I believe it's till the end of this year. If you go to their Facebook page, they have. Um, mm -hmm. You know how they had the history of the DC Universe hardcover, like the the big giant volume, and now that just now they're splitting it up into like Golden Age, Silver Age, that kind of stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. No. No. <laughs> okay. Well, they have they have the first. I believe it's the first volume of that. Uh, of, oh, of, this! It's like signed by a butt ton of people. Uh, oh my and, god! And I, and I mean, I'm talking, uh, I'm talking. Um, Joe Kubert's signature is on there. Uh, I believe um, Carmine Infantino, I think, is on there. Like, I'm talking, a, a bunch of people have signed this, the, the interior of this book. And obviously, it's from CSA, so they're all authenticated signatures. Um, and it's going on until the uh, till the end of this year. Um, next year. Uh, yeah. No, this year, right? End of next year. End of 2014. Yes. Are you looking at that that information right now? Yeah. Now, well, tell people where they can find it. I couldn't find the contest. 
Okay, it's on their Facebook page. Just do a search for CSA Comics, um, mm-hmm. and then just scroll down until you see. Uh, it's basically a picture of the cover with all the autographs uh, next to it. Um, History of the DC Universe. I do remember this now. I, I actually have the original two uh, prestige format issues. Um, and like, oh yeah, there's uh, Walt Simonson's autographs front and center on there. Oh man, Alex Sapiak. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah, no, that's that was really cool. I remember you like I, I think I was sharing that not too long ago. Yes, I did because I entered the contest. Yeah. Um, it's it's <laughs> it's definitely something you wouldn't mind having. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's that's really cool. Yeah, uh, and you know, I I I really really because I I don't ever get things uh, graded, um, but if I could get them graded, I would probably if, if they're important enough to me to have not only own the issue but have them graded. Yeah. Uh, then I would also probably have them signed. So having them graded and signed, uh, authenticated signed, would be awesome. So I really hope that uh, that uh, pair partnering up, if 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 something works out between them and a grading service, that would be awesome. I hope that works out. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Very very cool. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and then while I was at the con, uh, you know, actually talking to David, uh, someone was swinging by. It was like the official, uh, you know, the official interviewer, the official podcast for that particular convention. Um, and uh, we just kind of did a, a meta interview <laughs> on the spot. We kind of interviewed each other. Uh, and all the details are in there, I suppose. So uh, yeah, the here's uh, the first quality audio <laughs> of those interviews. <laughs> this is going to be better audio than the actual episode we're recording around it. <laughs> yeah. All right, this is a meta interview. Meta. Meta. Because I'm interviewing a podcaster who I'm trying to convince to interview me at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just met, so I don't know anything about him other than it's the Lantern Cast. So That's right. talk it up and pimp it. Uh, yeah, lanterncast.com. We've been going for four years now. Um, 150 plus numbered episodes, but almost 200 total episodes. We've had various spinoffs like Lanterncast Presents, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Mosaic, blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, we've, uh, there's three of us, three hosts, and uh, it was created by two guys, Jim Ford and Dan Kurtzke. And I've joined about a year or two ago. And uh, I'm the newbie they pick on me. That's, 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 that's my shtick, I guess. Um, but I've really gotten into Green Lantern uh, in the past couple of years and just kind of absorbed not just the recent stuff, but the history of it. It's really enjoyable. Um, but we've done tons of interviews, too. Um, Denny O'Neill. Um, we've done, uh, you know, Tom Wynn, who's uh, here at the con today. Yeah, I've, I haven't gotten to him yet. But he, he's, yeah. he's a fun interview. Um, and, uh, you know, various other, other people. Uh, we've even gotten uh, Phil Lamar, who did the voice of uh, Jon Stewart on the Justice League animated series. Um, we've had him before. But... Uh, Mostly the, the kind of episodes we have are kind of the random stuff where we we physically get on Skype with a list of things we're going to talk about and we'll go, which, which one are we going to talk about tonight? And one of us will go, actually, I have a pop topic. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely random. And yeah. it's been going best, for a long the time. The best podcasts have no structure whatsoever. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's super specific being Green Lantern. But uh, 
it seems to be uh, it seems to be uh, going pretty well. You know, Good. it gets me into cons, and you know, we get a few new listeners. So, and you're the local member in this area. Yes, uh, the other two co-hosts actually, one of them lives in Long Island, the other one lives in uh, in uh, New Jersey. Uh, and uh, the one who lives in Long Island just had his first kid, and he's married. And, yeah. you know, he, doesn't get to, he doesn't get out much anymore. No. Uh, so uh, you'd think they'd give him more mic time, but no, not really. Yeah. And you're up in Austin? I'm in Austin. Yeah. Uh, I live uh, real close to downtown Austin, and uh, I work for uh, General Motors and just do other okay. stuff in my other time. But big comic fan. And you have that, a day job and your fun job. And my, my day job and my fun job, yes. although my day job can be fun sometimes. <laughs> and what about you? Uh, my day job is pushing the computer yeah which means it doesn't have to be fun because i'm not working hard right that's obvious that i don't work <laughs> hard anymore <laughs> um but what about the podcast uh, what are they what's the main I've one got, that you're here for well i'm here for the new one the concast okay and i'm actually going to try to make that a crowdsourced uh anybody interviews anybody give me the audio and i'll drop it okay so hopefully podcasters who have their own podcast don't want to have to start a new feed, mm -hmm. don't want to have to mess with all, just get me the audio. Mm -hmm. You can edit it and I'll post it. Send it to me. I'll do a quick edit and post it. Okay. And drop it on the feed. And because I've got in the podcasting community, I know everybody. Because okay. I've been doing it for four years. Right. And um, so hopefully the, the people that don't want to mess with doing all the new stuff, I've done it. Right. And so anything extra or any interviews, even if it's a duplicate post, mm -hmm. if it's up on another site, drop it on the Concast. Right. This is the first official Concast date mm -hmm. at this Central Texas Toy and Comic Expo. Right. Now and you, I'm blessed because they've actually made this the official podcast for this Central Texas Toy awesome. and Comic Expo. That's, that's a good way to start, man. I don't know if they're going to continue that relationship in their next cons. I hope so. Hey, why not? Um, and so they're going to take everything that I record and post it right. on their website, and then I'm going to get to post it. Okay. And I've had access to the celebrities. That's cool. And, of course, an artist alley. So it's been blast. I have a Christian podcast called The Righteous Dudes Dudecast. Okay. I've, the last year I've been doing this content on that feed okay. as special episodes. Right. I want to separate that because when you say Christian podcast, people stop talking to you. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why. I, I tell them there's no limits. Right. You know, there's, talk about everything. There, but there's they, still that stigma about Christianity. Exactly. And, and so I'll keep that content there. And it's yeah. fun. And yeah. I love doing it. Yeah. And I still pick up a couple of listeners from the cons every yeah. now and then. And um, my other podcast, Jesus, I have forgotten what my other podcast. Um, geez, you know, I think I do five podcasts. <laughs> um, yeah, I got to do cast con. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I forgot the one I do with my wife. <laughs> Do she not is going to kill audio me. <laughs> we have a very, very non-regularly posted podcast called This and That with Him and Her Okay. on the Chronic Rift Network. Okay. And Chronic Rift is a really big time uh, pop culture okay. uh, podcast network, mm -hmm. probably a dozen podcasts. And we just need to sit down and do it more often is what it is. Can't believe I forgot the one I do with my wife. <laughs> Sorry, dear. Do you uh, do you post to <laughs> iTunes and stuff as well? Uh, the my Christian podcast is on iTunes, right? And on Zoom, although Zoom's now going away. You should go to Stitcher. Not yet. You should. Um, I need. I want to do that. I have yeah. all of like twenty six subscribers to my Christian podcast, and I'm three of them. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> well, my best friend doesn't have to subscribe because I just send him the audio, right? And so I. 
I could cheat the number, so I kind of had to subscribe for him. So you know, yeah. it's cheating people. <laughs> um, that one's on iTunes. The Chronic Rift is on iTunes, but I send it to them and they post it. Okay. It's in their feed. Yeah. And the Comcast, it's not going to have any regular schedule because I don't schedule the conventions. Right. And I uh, won't be able to get to every convention, obviously. This year, I'm just staying in the San Antonio area, which is still going to give me four conventions and six or seven toy shows. Right. Not even counting Austin. Wow. Next year, I hope to go to Wizard World in Austin also. Yeah. And maybe up to Houston for a couple of things. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not going to get to Comic Palooza this year. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. But it's like 28 days or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can go at any point. Yeah. But I, I like to go with a relationship with the promoters mm -hmm. so I can get permission to talk to people. Right. I don't want I, I don't want to podcast bomb somebody, you know? Exactly. You know, I do a podcast. Ha ha, you didn't know it. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And that's why I, I actually ended up with a much better relationship here yeah. at Central Texas than I was shooting for. Mm -hmm. I would never have imagined that they'd say, hey, do our whole podcast. Well, Central Texas uh, apparently is run by a lot of the same people who do Wizard World Austin. And the, honestly, the layout is fairly much mm -hmm. the same. It's just on a bigger scale. Yeah. So, Well, David told me he had some contacts with yeah. Wizard World. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I decided not to try Wizard World this year. Right. Because with the new equipment, i got to get used to using it. Yeah. And I also still have to get the butterflies away and the nerves yeah. and get used to walking up to celebrities. Yeah. And talking to them. Right. And... This year is going to help me do that because right. I'm there's a, a two three more conventions that are all in San Antonio. Okay, yeah. And on two Alamo of them, City. Alamo City and Texas. Yeah. And uh, I'm building relate trying to build relationships with those to give me a little more exposure, a little more experience, mm -hmm. and also more contacts. Right. And hopefully all of that combined, I can go to Wizard World and they'll say, "Hey, come on in." And they yeah. may have may have anyway. I honestly don't know. Yeah. But I, Wizard World is in this area. It's the big dog. Yeah. So when I go to the big dog, I want them to know that I'm, I'm not a dilettante. Right. Um, gotcha. I'm, you know, I'm as serious as I can be for a, a non-paying job. Right. You know, and, you know, four or five years, maybe I'll make a little money off of this. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? And uh, it's, it's not necessarily my goal, but I'm not going to turn it down. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you want to pay me to stand here and talk to you, I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it's yeah. good. This is a meta view. This is yeah, not yeah. an interview. It's a meta view. Yeah, meta view. Exactly. And of course, we're interviewing on my two microphones. So now I have to get him the audio. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send it to you tonight. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, this has been great, man. Yeah, it's good. It's, it. it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. And we're back. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was just. That was high quality audio. It was. You know. it was. It was nice hearing Chad sound like a human being for once. That's right. <laughs> he doesn't even sound like that when I. I know, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Sorry. One of one, one of my. Uh, I was listening to a comedy album the other day, and he's like, "You want to sound creepy? Just add ladies to everything that it's you say." True. It's true. <laughs> God. Uh, awesome. No, but uh, yeah. So it was just kind of an on-the-spot idea, and you know. Uh, actually, Central Texas Toy Central Texas Toy and Comic Expo was actually pretty cool. It's like a Wizard World show. Um, you know, uh, for those who have been to a Wizard World show, it's kind of one third, uh, you know, kind of um, shops and distributors and you know stuff like that. One third entertainment, one third like comic artist alley, um, and that's basically what this was. Um, 
I believe, uh, you know, like some some of the individuals, if you've watched the Walking Dead TV show, um, Michael Rooker was there, the guy who plays uh, Merle. Um, and then uh, the guy who played T-Dog was there. Um, and there were a couple of uh, other individuals there as well. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I believe, um, is it Mike Grell? Is that his name? Um, the guy who did Longbow Hunters? Yeah, that's Mike Grell. The art of Longbow Hunters? Uh, he was sitting right next to Tom, to Tom Nguyen. Uh, he was there. Um and in retrospect, I'm kind of sad I didn't get an interview with him because at the time I didn't realize uh, his involvement with Green Lantern. Um, so that's. Did I do that at the last New York show too? Like I forgot he drew like our favorite issue of the year or something, so I just didn't talk to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, we got to talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was like literally all weekend, like. Because I, I basically tabled alongside of uh, Tom. So <laughs> I, I even had a stack of business cards and everything sitting on his table <laughs> for the Lantern <laughs> Cast. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Um, but, um, yeah, it was it was cool. Uh, it was a good experience. Um, it's definitely something, you know, I know that there's not, it's a really specific thing, but if, if you're considering going to a convention for the first time, something like Central Texas Toy and Comic Expo, I would say, is right up your alley. Because, granted, if you're, and this is just, I'm assuming, if you're going, if you want to go to a comic convention, you probably are reading some DC, probably reading some Marvel, that kind of stuff, uh, and you like it enough to kind of get into the experience well, this is like a wizard show, minus the massive amounts of crowds, depending on the wizard show you go to. Um, and it's not like Staple in that it's not all just local, and so there will be a lot of people that can do uh, superhero type stuff that you're interested in, and other people selling that kind of material around you. So it's a condensed wizard show, which is probably a good first first con for someone to go to. Now, Chad... Did you like both of these shows enough to, you know, schedule permitting, go back to both of them next year? Um, it depends. Uh, there's, I, I liked both shows, but um, now that I have the experience of them, it really depends now, just like any other show, is there anything going to be there to draw me there? Um, you know, I, uh, it, there's nothing wrong with either show, but, you know... Staple, um, I don't, I don't like not having a plan going into a con. I mean, as 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 cool and unique of experience as it was, I still don't like just. Oh, well, I'm going to walk around all weekend, and I guess I'll see what I see. Uh, you know, there, I can't even say, well, I'm definitely going to pick up that book from so and so. At least I'm, at least I can get that. Like, there's not even that. I have no idea what I'm getting into when I go there. So that's, you know. Whatever, and is, is and if there's going to be an artist or two that uh, that's a draw at um, at Central Texas Toy and Comic Expo, then sweet, cool, all the better. Uh, then yeah, I'll be there. So okay, yeah. Um, and last but not least, I just wanted to say uh, a friend of Tom's was there, and he uh, uh, gave me a print of one of his art because we we kind of hung out, you know, because he's a friend of Tom, and we went to that uh, Korean dinner and all that. Um, his name is Vo Nguyen, and Vo Vo isn't uh, isn't 
any relation or anything. Um, he's just a, an awesome artist. Uh, and if you actually um, Google Vo Nguyen comic art, the, you'll probably probably see uh, under the Google images uh, the the artwork that he uh, the, the print that he gave me because one of my favorite characters is Gambit. There's a a kind of purplish colored uh, Gambit and Rogue in the rain kind of print that he gave me. Oh, that's awesome! Isn't that cool? Yeah. Oh wow. That's Vo's art. Oh, that's a cool style. Yeah. yeah he's got great stuff. Uh, yeah, he actually had a print of Godzilla that I didn't see until the end of the con. It was freaking awesome because I'm a you know a big Godzilla fan. Oh wow! <clears throat> Looks like he like a like a witchblade drawing that came mm-hmm. up also. That's pretty sick looking. Yeah. Oh, nice. So uh, thanks to Bill and Errol and uh, Tom and uh, and David and uh, Clay for uh, all those interviews. Appreciate it. And sorry yeah. it took <laughs> so long. <clears throat> Thanks, for the, thanks to the, the people from Staple and uh, and Central Texas Toy and Comic Expo for, you know, letting me in. <laughs> Not stopping at the door saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> we heard about this. You turn right around. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> yeah. uh, yep, nice. Cool. cool. Okay, so... Uh... As long as this is pretty much a Chad-centric episode, we might as well uh, close out with a with a Larfleys report. Ah, uh, yay! Uh, totally disorganized Larfleys report that covers two issues of previews. Sweet, <laughs> because that's the only way I know how to do them anymore. Um, oh, God. These uh, starting with the uh, you know, this is the Larfleys report, by the way, in case you didn't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Starting with uh, the May issue of previews and just going straight through <laughs> directly to the dog-eared pages. Um, got an indie pick for you guys. Um, Breath of Bones, A Tale of the Golem from Dark Horse. I usually don't pick something from Dark Horse, but lately they've been coming out with some stuff that I'm kind of interested in. Um, Breath of Bones is actually about um, the golem. Uh, so if you're familiar with uh, Jewish mythology... Uh, the golem was like a protector of the Jewish people. Um, and actually, the golem has, a, or at least that legend specifically, has a tie to Ragman. And with my love of Ragman, of course, I'd be picking this three-issue miniseries up. Um, it's uh, written by Steve Niles, with, uh, as, long as, uh, as well as uh, Matt uh, Santoro, and art by Dave Wachter. <clears throat> and it's all in black and white. Um, so it's four bucks, uh, 32 pages. I believe the first issue is out now. Uh, three issue miniseries. I would definitely, definitely pick it up. <clears throat> and uh, moving uh, right along into uh, DC, in case anybody cares, Trinity War has started. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, they're all uh, $4 comics. So. What is happening? Oh, now, um, one, one, one of James's toys like got possessed and uh, was freaking out. <laughs> you know, typical that's stuff. A, that's not a cause for concern. You know, he's, he's just <laughs> crawling on the ceiling. It's fine. I'm sure I'll be fine. It'll work out. 
All right, uh, so Trinity War starts, um, if anybody cares. Justice League 22, Justice League of America number 6, Justice League Dark number 22, all four, uh, $4 comics. Um, God. Yeah. So, uh, come on, Jack, get, get to the good stuff. I mean, I want to read Trinity War eventually, but I can wait however many months it'll take to put out a soft cover trade of it. And then probably plus another four months. <laughs> I can't wait the amount of time that it'll take for them to collect it all in hardcover. And then the additional months for them to put it in softcover. And then the additional months to find it used. <laughs> like, I'll get it when it's on, like, in-stock trades or something. Some, sometime <laughs> next year. <laughs> I'll, I'll just pick up all the issues for 50 cents when Wild Pig goes to... Uh, Super show in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. come on, Jake. Get get to like the actual like good stuff. You know, like the the Eagle Moss figures and the statues. And... E- well, Eagle Moss isn't doing figures anymore. I mean, they they are, but they're all chess pieces now. So, really? Uh, yeah, I told you that last time you asked about this. Um, uh, but speaking of good stuff, the Flash Annual Number Two. Um, written by Brian Buccellato, um, with uh, art by uh, Sami Basari. Uh, 48 pages for 5 bucks, but this features the New 52 uh, story of how uh, the first team-up between Hal and Barry Allen. And the cover oh. by Francis Manipal is making me wish he did the interiors, because I would be so happy to Get see that. this. I wish he was drawing one of our books, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but Manipole is still working on uh, Flash, um, so I guess you know it would kind of be unrealistic to ask him to do two different uh, two different uh, books in the same yeah. month. Like and Bucciolato has been collaborating with him on on writing it since the, the beginning of the New Fifty Two. So he, I think he's done a couple issue. He's written a few issues without Manipole too. So it's it's going to read just like. A regular flash issue from the current run. Hmm, yeah, must be nice. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, like just they put out an annual that's not like uh, you know. And here it is, folks. What you've been clamoring for in a flash annual: the epilogue to the hunted saga. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and um, <laughs> just a reminder <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> Just a reminder to everybody, uh, Green Lantern has new... The Green Lantern books have new creative teams. Um, Green <laughs> Green Lantern number 22, uh, written by Robert Venditti, art by Billy Tan. Uh, Green Lantern Core, Robert Venditti written, art by Bernard Chang. <laughs> I don't want to spoil number 21 for anybody in case anyone's listening, well, who's, but... Who's, uh, the, so I won't, who's the co-writer on Core? Because it's two guys. Uh, Van okay. Jensen. Uh, so I'm not gonna read. I'm not gonna read the solicit for uh, Green Lantern 22, but so I don't spoil the ending of uh, 21. But uh, t- I thought the solicit for Green Lantern Corps, at least uh, the first part, was kind of funny. John Stewart is the only Lantern who knows about a terrible threat coming for the universe. Dot dot dot. And I immediately thought him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna have to destroy the. Planet. He's just floating in space, <laughs> looking around. Awful lot of planets around here. <laughs> well, you know what it is. Since he's an architect, he he looks at things and like, well, we're gonna have to clear this area out if we're gonna build here. No, no, he saw that stupid fucking 
solar system ship from Invictus, and he was like, you know, that's an idea, and he just starts sticking giant tubes in worlds and moving them over. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, Larflees has now started the, the single series, and the art looks beautiful, even on the cover, and the interior art will be done by Scott Collins, so that's amazing. Um, so, yeah, keep a lookout for that. Now, uh, other Green Lantern-related stuff. And you know a couple of months ago they came out with Green Lantern Sector 2814, the trade paperback that's collecting the mm-hmm. 80s series, uh, written by um, uh, Lynn Wein, Steve Englehart, Paul Kupperberg, art with Dave, by Dave Gibbons and Joe Staten, all that stuff. Well, Volume 2 of that trade paperback series is now coming out, uh, collecting uh, Green Lantern uh, 182, 183, and 185 through 189. Oh, nice. <laughs> So, um, all so that's going to be If in you don't want to take the time to go find those issues in the 50-cent bin. Well, you, you, have, you have Trinity War to look for, Jim. Priorities. <laughs> God. You know, like, look, I am all for them collecting Green Lantern. But, like, that was seriously... That was the period where, like, if you're going to find Green Lantern issues in 50-cent bins, it's going to be those issues. Like, I, I've accidentally picked up, like, Hal, like, you know, in the snow <laughs> so many times. Like, I've lost count just because, like, you know, you buy, like, a group of comics or whatever like that, a grab bag, or it's like, oh, look at this, this is a cool cover. You, know, you completely forget, get it again, and, like, after that, it's like, you don't buy You it should again. get all of those copies bound into, like, a hardcover. <laughs> With just the same issue over yes, and over and again. Yes, and then get, get the no, creative team to no. sign it. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> I'm doing the world a service by taking these out of uh, 50 cents. Get a sketch inside the front cover of the hardcover volume of an exact reproduction of that cover of Hal in the Snow. <laughs> I'll get a sketch of a picture of the hardcover bound box. Yes. <laughs> It'll be totally meta. It'll, it'll be meta like interviews. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, better than meta. Uh, and uh, because Volume 2 is solicited, Volume 1 has been re-solicited. Perfect. I think you guys are giving a bad rap to that series. There was a lot of uh, well, historic Green listen, Lantern moments in there. Oh, I am I'm not saying anything negative about the, the actual issues themselves. I mean, hey, I bought the issue three times. <laughs> <laughs> it must be good. Yeah, no, like there's nothing, you know, nothing bad about it it's just that for some reason i don't know like they made so many issues that they just they flood the 50 cent bits and it's like it's right around that time period that you find so many of them Hmm. so all right uh moving on green lantern the animated series number 14 final issue so not only are we losing the actual cartoon series or lost it, we also are losing the animated series comic based around mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's got, you know, but it's got a Hal, Aya, Razor, so, you know, whatever. Well, uh, hopefully hopefully it continues in quality because I plan on I plan on picking up if there's like ever like a complete edition in trade volume, I'll I'll probably pick that up. Do that what is the uh What's the preview for that issue say? Uh, while battling a rogue manhunter, Aya is affected with a virus, and Hal and Razor shrink themselves to microscopic size to see if they can fix her and find Kilgore. Although it's spelled K I L G 
percentage sign R. Oh, that's how that's how space works. <laughs> and then uh, can can they win uh, such a small battle against such large odds? Oh, great! So it's a uh, you know it's like they actually gave them time to write a final issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a it's a really nice cover though. Like yeah, rated E for everyone. Yeah. And let's see, uh, another uh, indie pick, just going to blow right on by it, um, but uh, just letting you guys know, since it's been a while since we had a Larfleeze report, The Wake from Scott Snyder, uh, and um, what was his name, the guy who did Punk Rock Jesus, uh, Sean Murphy. Um, It's a new series from Vertigo, basically I'm interested in it because I read an interview with uh, with Scott Snyder saying Vertigo just told him, what do you want to do, here, take it, do whatever you want. And I'm like, Scott Snyder getting to do whatever he wants with art by Sean Murphy, I'm in. And I have the first issue, and it's amazing. How many owls are um, in it? None. All, all of them? <laughs> all of the owls. Yes. Uh, and even though we've already talked about it on Facebook and, uh, and uh, probably the forums, the one-to-one scale orange lantern power battery and ring prop Woo-hoo! replica. 200 bucks on, in previews on sale in October. DCBS has it 134. Anybody buy? I it? ordered it. Jim? Yeah, no, I'm not getting it. Did you ever sell your it... yellow? Yes. Good. Good for you. And what was the going price for that? <laughs> your damn business. <laughs> Listen, the internet already knows. <laughs> I, I didn't gouge anybody. I'll put it to you that way. Did you make back what you spent on it? Um, I think, yeah, just about. Yeah. Barely. Barely. <laughs> By a dollar. <laughs> Profit margin of a dollar. You know, I tell you, like, at first I was a little, like, on the fence about selling it. Um, but, like, afterwards, it's like, well, you know, the amount of space that that damn thing took up, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, the, the Green Lantern batteries, you know, like... The battery is, a, you know, it's a big item, and, you know, you have to have the, the foam padding. But, you know, they're manageable. The box isn't too much larger than the actual battery. For the Sinestro core battery, it's like, since that handle was uh, shaped the way that it was, um, and the battery itself was a little bit bigger, and then they just went overboard on the foam, like, the box is, like, monster <laughs> size. So, like, the amount of space that that frees up in my closet is uh is pretty tremendous and i mean i haven't displayed it you know i think i had it on display for like you know a very short time because yeah, i've seen a picture of like that cabinet that had all of them in it yeah and then we moved and it went back into storage forever Aww. so i like I, I don't have the space for it and you know i don't even have the space to store it so um yeah not having that is uh awesome now I tell you, I do, I really want to get the blue lantern. Because, like, the other thing was yellow didn't really mean much to me. I just got it because it was another battery Yeah, that's kind of why I ordered the new yellow one. <laughs> I'm like, I'm yeah. like, do I want the whole set or not? Uh, but And then they're yellow. So I'm like, I'll, I'll figure this out later and maybe sell it. <laughs> yeah, well, I you know, uh, with the red one, the original red one, like, I would have bought that one also, you know, because, like, I, now I got the yellow one coming. I would have bought the red one also, except for the fact that, you know, the handle was, like, backwards. 
Um, and I think with, with any new ones that they make, the handle's still going to be like backwards like that because they switched to drawing it that way in the comics now. Although in the most recent issue, uh, number 20, they went back to drawing it the old way. So, I don't know. It still pisses me off. But I would you like know, to get blue, but again, I don't know if I'm actually going to get it. You know the only way I would ever buy orange is, uh, and I know that this is not the case, but if they did it, I'd, 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 it would definitely be a selling point. If they scratched Larflees in the bottom. I was just going to say, like, I might have to, like, get, like, a <laughs> magic marker and do that or something. Yeah, Sharpie. <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. Don't do uh, that. Um, anyways, okay, so um, moving on, uh, just to kind of tie it in with the, the interviews, they have solicited some um, of the Bombshell Girls uh, in t-shirt form. So you've got um, you got Supergirl, uh, Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman, and Poison Ivy all on t-shirts, the, the Bombshell pinup girl design version of them. Uh, and of course, you know they've resolicited for you know the billionth time shirts and hoodies and stuff with the Green Lantern symbol on them. I don't have to tell you about them. You've seen them everywhere in, at any con you've ever been to, uh, or comic shop probably. Um, and let's see what else. What else? Sorry, now I have to flip through. Um, okay, uh, the Domo figures. You know those little weird monster things. Um, they've got. Uh, They've got uh, the vinyl pop animation minis. One of them is Green Lantern. <laughs> They've got actual vinyl uh, pop animation regular size domos and plushies, uh, all of which have a Green Lantern version. I actually them. have the domo pop vinyl Green Lantern right over there, standing between the pop vinyl Hal Jordan and movie Sinestro. So they make a nice little little uh, freakish Green Lantern core. <laughs> And speaking of the final issue of Green Lantern, the animated series, um, Green Lantern, the animated series, season one, part two, Manhunter Menace. So the final 13 episodes of the uh, Green Lantern animated series on DVD um, for uh, 1997, according to previews. So two discs, 13 episodes, the final part of the uh, Green Lantern animated series can be yes, and By the time this airs, it should already be available. So get out there. Don't you don't even have to necessarily think about the fact that it's the second half of the season. It's it stands completely alone as its own arc. Just dive in That's and right. enjoy it. Uh, and uh, Marvel pick for this month. It's actually stuff that's already out. Um, I'm not sure why they solicited it that early, but uh, whatever. Uh, two two great heroines, two full length novels. Marvel is actually getting back into the the text novel game. Um, with uh, a novel by Christine Woodward called Rogue Touch uh, and a uh, novel called The She-Hulk Diaries uh, by Marta Acosta. Um, I actually might get the, the Rogue Touch one because it, the solicit says, um, Anna Marie, later known as Rogue, is seen through the lens of a young 20-year-old just coming to grips with her devastating powers and coming to grips with her first love. I, maybe Gambit's involved? Maybe? Regardless, I have a love for a Rogue, so... I might actually check that out. And they went on sale on the 18th of June. Um, so they're already out. And there is no price point, according to this. So, Sweet. And moving right along. Yes? I was going to say, is that all of it? Or is that... That's, that's, that's oh, for geez. me. Oh, <laughs> jeez. You're the ones that were talking in between me. I was trying to run gotcha. through it. <laughs> 
God. June previews. Uh, Dark Horse, again, putting out something I aw- awesome. From Art Balthazar and Franco, Itty Bitty Hellboy. <laughs> Number one of three. Uh, it's Art Balthazar from, and, and Franco from uh, uh, Tiny Titans and Superman Family Adventures and all that stuff. But doing the take on Hellboy, and it's awesome and cute, and I want to get it. Because um, I'd never read anything Hellboy, and why not start with this? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the Green Lantern books continue. Green Lantern, uh, a new Star Sapphire makes an appearance. Uh, and Red Lanterns has actually a kind of cool cover. It's got Atrocitus and Rage Kitty. Uh, Atrocitus is grabbing none other than the Butcher by the horns, and our Rage Kitty's riding Yay. it. <laughs> um, so the Butcher makes his uh, appearance, so that's pretty cool. Uh, now, whether the story rocks or not, who knows? <laughs> and uh, Batman Beyond Universe number one by uh, Kyle Higgins and Christo- Christos Gage. The only reason I bring it up is because it's Batman Beyond Universe involving that universe's Justice League, and we all know that little bald uh, Green Lantern dude that's in the the Batman Beyond Universe, so maybe there's some Green Lantern ties in there, although it's not mentioned anywhere in the solicitor on the cover, so it's possible. Um, and Green Lantern Volume 3, The End, hardcover. So... Um, Green Lantern number zero and uh, thirteen through twenty in a hardcover, featuring obviously the uh, the final issues of uh, of Green Lantern and the uh, first appearance of uh, Simon Baz. So now, how, tell tell them how long this is. How many pages the thing is? <laughs> 264 pages out on October 16th for $25. We read 264 pages of this. God. Hey, what, star, what story is it? First Army, uh, the, third, whatever. The, yeah, yeah, Third Army, um, first appearance of Simon Baz, and 13 through 20 of Green Lantern, the series. Oh. That's so many pages. Oh, God. And because of Jim's love of uh, everything odd and off the wall, I'm pretty sure, I'm I'm not sure if you'd actually be excited for this, but I marked it anyways, just in case. The DC One Million Omnibus. That's cool. (laughs) I guess I was right on the money. Um, 1,080 pages uh, for 100 bucks. Wow. Yep. So, DC One Million, if you (laughs) like that, then... uh, you know, I think maybe they brought that out because they're doing the um they they just announced uh, Justice League 3000. It's like another yeah. Justice League thing where where you should yeah. be happy, Chad. We're getting like a, a Green Lantern in the future that looks like Ragman. <laughs> it's crazy how <laughs> how much he looks yeah. like Ragman. <laughs> um, also, one to one scale Blue Lantern power battery and ring prop replica. Uh, Two hundred dollars on sale in November. So these are really coming out fast. Um, well, I think they're. And, I'm sorry, I think they're done for a little while because there was no, no battery solicited after this one, in like the the next round. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just as a note on those, the 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 one for uh, the orange lantern, it said that it lights up, but on the blue one it doesn't. So. Even though it probably does, you should probably tell people that it does. Just a thought. Unless it doesn't. Maybe maybe the orange one is the only one that glows, so it can be one of a kind. (laughs) 
<laughs> Alrighty. Um, a Marvel pick. Uh, I hear great things about the series. Still haven't read it. Daredevil, number 30, from Mark Wade and Chris Samney. Uh, the cover features Daredevil going up against Silver Surfer. So now you're I just think... picking things that you don't even read. That's right, because Marvel sucks. <laughs> you're like, hey, that um, one's like comics. Pick that. <laughs> And Dan, you're not allowed to answer because we've already done this episode. Oh. Um, but um, <laughs> Zombie Tramp, an indie pick for you guys. Uh, a high-priced Hollywood call girl get, uh, gets set up on a bad date by her transvestite madam, gets bitten by a zombie. So it's, this is also a uh, uh, ridiculous title. Ridiculous um, duo. Except I don't have another Ooh. one. <laughs> <laughs> and then the ridiculous Una. Uh, and, and then seeks out vengeance on those who wronged her. Cartoon grindhouse action abounds with voodoo queens, zombie convicts, and a crooked LAPD. The sold-out and out-of-print first volume gets remastered with a new cover, deleted scenes, and more. Mature themes, obviously, for 15 bucks. For 15 bucks. 15 bucks. <laughs> uh, Jim, any, uh, any idea of who puts this out? <laughs> Um, what's the name of the book again? Zombie Tramp, and you're not allowed to Google. Zombie Tramp. Um, He's yes. googling. No, I'm definitely I, not. You would hear the key, the key I, tapping. You have a smartphone. <laughs> I, that's true. I do. Um, I don't know. I want to say Xenoscope. No. no. Action Lab we are Entertainment. We're so disgusted with you now. <laughs> I don't even know why. Action Lab Entertainment. Oh. Yep, Zombie Tramp. It's under the Danger Zone uh, thing. Uh, the reason I picked oh, it is because that's right. Because I remember it, that Kickstarter. Yeah, it se- it seems unique. It's it's Action Lab and um it's under the Danger Zone line, but but also um uh, previews made it one of their certified pool titles. So. Okay, now I'm Googling it. Zombie Tramp, Zombie Tramp. Okay, an indie yeah. pick for you as well as my pick of the week. <laughs> week. Um, <laughs> the Six Gun Hardcover Volume 1 from Oni Press. This is the first 11 issues of The Six Gun. I picked up the first two issues, I believe, when it was coming out. And by now, what, they're, let's see, they're on issue 33, it looks like, uh, in this previews. Um, I just, for whatever reason, I liked it, but I didn't keep up with it. I don't remember why. Um, but this is the first 11 issues, 352 pages, full color, hardcover, uh, out in the beginning of October, but there is no price point on it. So it's, uh, this, the six gun is amazing. I just, I just can't remember why I didn't, I didn't pick it up. And just for Jim, uh, Eagle Moss, you've got, um, what, um, DC Superhero Chess Figurine Collection Magazine Special, Superman and Lex Luthor. Um, this is Superman, uh, actually Clark Kent, uh, you know, taking off his glasses and unbuttoning his shirt to reveal the Superman logo. Um, and Lex Luthor in his, uh, you know, purple and green armor. And then uh, another DC Superhero Chess Figure Collection Magazine, The Flash, which is supposed to be the White Bishop. Uh, and Captain Cold, which is the Black Pawn. <laughs> Now, are these the same size as the old Eagle Moss figures? Mm, I'm looking for any sort of measurement here. Well, how much does it cost for, like, the two-pack? 
The two pack of uh, Superman and Lex is thirty eight bucks. Okay, and so yeah. Individually, um, it looks like the Flash and Captain Cold are sixteen bucks. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds about like what they were charging for the, you know, just the regular Eagle Moss figures. But now they have bases. Right. That's kind of ridiculous for a chess set. Mm-hmm. Some might call that two pack a ridiculous duo. It is. It kind of is a ridiculous duo. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and uh, <laughs> just Green Lantern related stuff. DC Super Pets character encyclopedia trade paperback for eight bucks. 128 pages. The reason I, I mention it is because, well, not only is Green Lantern on the cover, but if you remember the Super Pets stuff, uh, Badge was in it. Um, for all we know, maybe there might be other Green Lantern stuff in this there. This was also so. Art Franco. Yeah, yes. So, yes. So yes. they had like they had a whole book that had like Badge and Rage Kitty and like Glomulus and some Sinestro Core bugs. So like it, it, mm-hmm. that page count, they've all got to be detailed in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and DC Universe two inch mini mesits. Um, you guys can probably describe what mesits are better than me, but there's a Green Lantern one and a Blue Lantern Hal Jordan one. So. Yeah, a mesit is kind of like, it's like a Mighty Mug or a Pop Hero, except it looks kind of like like a stuffed animal that's made of plastic, you know, like yeah. like a beanbag yeah. kind of toy. Yeah, kind of like, I, I, I kind of think of them as like, um, vinyl Legos, if Legos were curved instead of, like, sharp-edged. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. If they were curved rather than boxy. Yeah. Uh, also, DC Unlimited 6-inch action figures. Have you guys heard about these? I, There's a Green Lantern maybe. one. Maybe? 20, 22 bucks a figure. Um, let's see... New figures based on the Injustice Gods Among Us video game. The Gun Metal Batman figure and the Green Lantern figure with blister card packaging. So there is a Green Lantern DC Unlimited 6-inch action figure for 22 bucks coming out pretty soon. It doesn't say what date. Um, and, of course, the DC Universe Variant Play Arts K-I- KAI so Kai action figures for 80 bucks. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern all at uh, 10 and 3 fourths inch uh, height so uh, what do you guys think of the DC Universe variant play arts Kai action figure Green Lantern that's awful first of all I don't even know what that name means secondly <laughs> it looks like they took like the head off a random anime figure put a Green Lantern mask on it and then stuck the head on, like, a movie stell body. <laughs> well, not a movie stell body, because movie stell was, like, actually looked like a robot. This robot. looks robot Well, this looks more like comic stell. I guess. Don't you insult uh, comic stell. He takes enough abuse. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Oh, awesome! This is like you. I you. I I don't understand. Like, how do? Why do you like this? Like, what's? I don't like the face. I like the armor. I think it's cool looking. Uh. You're bad, and you should feel bad. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) DC Comics string dolls. Uh, it's forty bucks for the entire set. I think you have to buy a set. 
Um, look it up. Uh, there's a Green Lantern one. They're basically like little odd-looking dolls made of yarn. Wow, there's a Green Lantern one in there. Um, and let's see. Also, just to let you guys know, just to remind you, um, DCU, so DC uh, Universe, Justice League, Flashpoint Paradox. Um, so there will be... Uh, a, a DC animated movie based on Flashpoint coming out soon. Uh, Twenty-five bucks for the Blu-ray DVD combo pack and twenty bucks for the DVD. Um, this is the Flashpoint comic series mm-hmm. a- adapted to be an animated universe uh, movie. I'm not sure if Green Lantern makes an appearance in it or not. I am. Um, you're you're positive I, this time. I I was positive last time, and you doubted me then too. <laughs> Listen. Whatever. Hal Jordan is in this thing, and Nathan Fillion is reprising his role from past films. Okay. All right. Nice. Well, then, you heard it there. I'm, I'm excited about this, not because it's Flashpoint, but because it's a movie centering around Flash. Yes. I think I think they should have done this a long time ago. Uh, I don't think it should. The Flash's first foray into uh, an animated universe movie should <laughs> be something like this. I think it should be his own movie. But whatever. Yeah. Well, I think uh, um, at least we get something. I think like the the guy who took over for Bruce Tim said he wants to use the, kind of the Justice League brand as a jumping off point for other characters that they might not otherwise see as like 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 pro- uh, I don't know how to say it, but like potentially successful enough on their own to give a project to because like. That's awesome. Because if the cover's any indication, that means we might get an Aquaman animated movie. Nice. Sweet. All right. And last but not least, um, the <laughs> Robot Chicken DC comic special on Blu-ray for 20 bucks and DVD for $15. Um, I wasn't going to get this until I read what the bonus features were. Bonus features include the making of Robot Chicken DC Comic Special, Robot Chicken DC Comic Special's Aquaman's origin story, uh, something called Chicken Nuggets, uh, writer's commentary, actor's commentary, DC Entertainment Tour, stupid alter egos, outtakes, 5.2 questions, and deleted sketches including Dead Man Waits for No One, Teen Titans Prom, Ice Cream Headache, Booster Gold's Politics Are Complex, Joker phone call, Black Manta helmet, Etrigan orange rhyme, Hawkman bird elevator, Our Man runner, Red tornado, Captain Boomerang gives up, Mister Terrific golf, and my favorite, the Spectre gets an iPhone. <laughs> That's the best concept for anything ever. <clears throat> That's a lot, a lot of deleted. I, I saw the Robot Chicken DC comic special. I thought it was too short, and thank God there's that many extras. <laughs> nice. I still have to see that. You can get it on iTunes. Oh, yeah, that exists. And that's it for the Larflees report this time around. If we ever do one again, I'm sure it'll be more organized. Wait, what, what month were these for? June? Um, May, and June? May and May and June, so that would be stuff shipping in July and August. All right. Um, the that means the robot chicken thing should be in August then. Cool. Uh, if if the solicit is is correct. Okay, doke. Are we uh, are we good to wrap up? So I have to shit up here. Jeez. I got a very active baby, and I'm tired. I got an active baby. Has he eaten lunch yet? Oh, that's a big lunch. 
so much for the two episodes thing, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Well, you know, when the first episode that should have only taken a half hour takes two hours. Well, you guys kept interrupting. I know. <laughs> oh. oh boy. All right. Okay. So that's it. Um. Yeah. I guess it's probably not anything out of the ordinary if we put up episode one sixty three before one sixty two. Or we could just say that this was one sixty two because. Yeah, that's like a smarter idea. Who the hell would do that? Didn't we? Well. Yeah, you kind of did record it as 162 at the beginning, also. Yeah, why did you... I, I thought I just had the wrong number. Like, oh, you suck. Oh, it's okay. Okay, 162 it is. God. <laughs> um, well, in that case, then uh, I want to mention... Because um, we had a voicemail. Um, Do you want to play was... your voicemail while you're on the episode? That'd be kind of yeah, You know what? Let's, we'll do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll close. We'll close with the voicemail. We couldn't even so, understand uh, your voicemail. <laughs> You couldn't understand the voicemail? No, you're, you're not in... Don't, don't, don't. Because if he plays the voicemail, that means there is a compliment from Jim on air about me. <laughs> Can you actually hear, like, basically what I'm trying to say in the voicemail? Yes. Yeah. Okay, well then that's fine. We'll just play the voicemail. Hey guys, this is Jim. Uh, right now I... Uh... Can't actually be on the episode, so I'm sending in a voicemail. Uh, it's kind of timely because uh, as Chad posted on the Facebook page, Sonic, uh, Sonic Drink Stop and Restaurant has the uh, DC superhero pops in the uh, the kids meal. Um, so if you head over there, you can get a, a Green Lantern plush super tot, a Sinestro super tot. Um, and they got a few other characters, Batman and Wonder Woman and such. But then they also have a power ring. Um, I stopped over there last night. I uh, picked up a couple of the Green Lantern Super Tots and a couple of the rings. The rings are really cool. Um, like big and round. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to pass along that information in case Chad forgot. Um, and I appreciate Chad letting me know. Otherwise, I would have no idea. Um, and and in the, the grand tradition of the Lantern Cast, this uh, this voicemail is being left in a parking lot. So you guys have fun, and uh, I'll uh, catch you next time. Good night. If you want to contact us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail dot com. <laughs> you can find us at lanterncast dot com. Uh, links to our Facebook page, our forum, um, Twitter, all that jazz. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Just do a search for either Green Lantern or Lantern Cast. We're also on Stitcher, and our voicemail is 708-LANTERN. Indeed. And, uh, you know, we actually uh, we actually play our voicemails. Yeah, when they're from you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, all, all our listeners have to do is be me and call in. Everybody, call in, say, this is Jim Ford, and just start talking. Oh, yeah. So, I'm sorry. And I'm going to... Go ahead. I was just... I lost it. All right, I'm going to put this out there now before we close the episode. Since you mentioned the voicemail, and we are you know known for taking forever to get to episodes we want to do, kind of peeling back the fourth wall, 
If you guys have anything that you want to say about uh, Jeff Johns and his impact on the on Green Lantern and your perception of him, send us in a voicemail. Remember, there's a three minute limit, uh, and just uh, kind of give us your thoughts on you know Jeff Johns leaving this leaving uh, the Green Lantern universe, kind of, and uh, what you thought about his contribution to it. That would be an awesome thing for us to have for one of our future episodes. Nice. Indeed. Okay. So uh, we'll uh, close out with that voicemail. And uh, so long, everyone. Good night. Good night. <laughs>